everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 147 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. It is election night in America. Yep. I know a lot of you guys are probably in Europe somewhere, uh, but it is a big day here in America, and I have voted. So did Matt I. Matt has voted. Uh, if any of you guys are watching the stream right now and you're registered to vote and you have not voted, stop watching this show right now and go vote. It's one of the most important things you could ever do. Yeah. So, Well, if you're on the West Coast. Yeah, I polls, guess it's too late now in the polls East Polls close at 8. So, yeah. uh, so they closed about an hour ago in the if East you're, Coast. If you're West Coast or uh, Mountain Time, there's still time. There's still well, time. No, I guess maybe, yeah. Yeah, you still yeah. time. So if you live here... All stop, you Las Vegas. Yeah, stop watching. We actually do have a lot of fans in Vegas. So if you're watching the show, you're on the West Coast, stop watching. You can watch the archive. Go and vote. There's nothing more important. Definitely voting is way more important than watching Game Face. We're not going to say anything interesting anyway. <laughs> I don't agree with that. But <laughs> voting is definitely far more important than watching a show about video games. So I hope you guys go yeah. do it. Also, it's like if, if all those cell phone commercials are to be believed, you can watch us on the go anywhere in the world. As yeah. you... There might be someone standing in line to vote right now watching on their phone. Yeah, assuming there's a Wi-Fi connection robust enough for the small print. Well, you can, you can stream the show on your yeah. mobile connection pretty yeah. easily. So. Just... I, I always find it amusing that the, those, those commercials are just like, it's like, you can watch things anywhere in the world. And it's like, must have robust Wi-Fi right, connection. Yeah. <laughs> not guaranteed to work in audience. It's like, yeah, I know. I've tried it. I, I know what, what you're really saying, dude. Yep. So big night in America tonight. Uh, let's see. Photo contest is coming online tomorrow. So go to sifted.net and everything will be posted tomorrow. All the rules and kind of what we're looking for for the photo contest. All that stuff is kicking off tomorrow. And then the episode that's as closest to Thanksgiving as we can get, we are going to announce the winner. And we'll go through all the entries and show all your photos. It's going to be fun. Uh, update on the t-shirts. You can see I'm still wearing our freaking shirts. How many weeks is this in a row? Six? Yeah. Yeah, I've made it through all. Four or five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you guys are not buying the shirts. I, I don't know why. Uh, it's pretty discouraging, to be honest. But it is what it is. Uh, we're going forward with the t-shirt competition anyway, the t-shirt photo competition. Uh, and again, the winner will get a free game of their choice on whatever platform they want, and we'll get it for you digitally, or we'll even get you a hard copy and send it to you, whatever you want. So uh, with that, we should get on with the show. Matt's got some stuff tonight. There's big election parties going on in L.A. Uh, we do have a great show for you guys, so uh, let's kick it off. We're going to talk first about, undoubtedly, the biggest topic over the last four days, and that is BlizzCon. BlizzCon just happened over the weekend. Usually BlizzCon is one of those things where it's almost always universally lauded. Like Blizzard mm -hmm. does a really good job with this convention. And usually you'll, no matter what Blizzard game you're into, you'll get a little something something for each one of those games. Uh, things were different this year, Matt. Yeah. The, uh, one of the something somethings was not the something some, someone wanted. Right. More than one person didn't want. So uh, I didn't actually Do you want, want to recap the whole thing or do you want me to recap? I, I mean, I can recap some of it. Basically... Um, the big finale, every, every year they do kind of, the, it's, I guess it's kind of the keynote thing where they show all the stuff and they announce all the things. And, yeah, they, had, they have a new, had a new character for Overwatch. They announced the, you know, World of Warcraft Classic. They, they had some more information on that. They had World, the Warcraft 3 remasters coming. And then one of the things that's been going on this year is they've sort of been banging the drum a little bit over the course of 2018, saying, like, Diablo stuff's coming. You know, Diablo fans, there's some stuff for you coming up. And, you know, Diablo, working on some Diablo. And then uh, the big finale at BlizzCon was they announced a mobile game yeah. called Diablo Immortal yep. that is a being made by a third-party contractor 
that is reskinning their Chinese hit mobile action RPG free to play, you know, microtransaction Driven. vacuum. Uh, with <laughs> yeah, basically, they're taking a, an action like an action RPG that's been already been a hit for a year in China, and they're hosing it down with Diablo juice and calling it a new game. And um, the the attendees at BlizzCon. Uh, voiced some disapproval of this. Yeah, right when uh, it was announced, they booed. In the form of, on, I, I mean, someone stage. I know who was there said it was said it, at one point it felt like a riot was going to break out um, because video games. Yeah, and uh, I mean there were people posting on on forums and that were at the venue. I, I know I know a couple people who have eyewitness accounts of there were people crying in the theater because they thought Diablo was over. Get a freaking um, rip. Now, Diablo Immortal looks terrible. Um, We're seeing it right now. It, it is not a thing I want to play. It is not a thing I will play. It is not what I want a Diablo to be. I would not, could not in a box. I would not, would not with a fox. Um, however, I don't think this means Diablo 4 is canceled and this is Diablo forever. Uh, the, the issue here seems to be that Blizzard made a very poor judgment call in having this be the sole Diablo thing they showed or talked about and basically i think if you're going to do this because i think you have you know you're in a command and conquer e3 situation where like we have to show this thing we're working on the shareholders expect it it's going to be you know this is our biggest moment we got to show this thing that's going to it's going to make them millions and millions of dollars hundreds maybe, maybe not from us yeah. <laughs> but like it's going to work i promise yeah um and uh but you gotta throw up like a like a logo for D or at least just say, Hey, we're working on Diablo four. It's a long way out. It's coming. Just, you know, relax. It's, it's going to be a thing. But instead they made fun of the people that were upset about it and asked them if they don't own phones as though the problem people had was that they don't have the device to right. play it on right. as opposed to, we don't want to play this. Um, so as much as I disagree with the people that freaked out and, and screamed and rioted, near rioted over this, um, the idea that Blizzard couldn't see this one coming, because they did put out a statement the next day, say they did not expect this level of vitriol, and it's like the gardener could have told you that this was going to like, something I would like have this. never guessed it would be this insane, though. I would, because do you remember when Diablo 3 was announced and the entire internet spent months losing their shit about how it had colors in it and they'd ruined Diablo forever right. and green doesn't belong in Diablo and endless numbers of desaturated versions of the screenshots and that's what Diablo's supposed to look like right. and I, yeah. I mean Diablo fans have very strong opinions about what Diablo is and what Diablo should be and what Diablo must be going forward and I don't think a cash in mobile game is really part of that Oh, certainly um, not. I mean, I, under, I understand that they don't care about the mobile yeah. game. And they were That's hoping, totally understandable. And they were hoping for, you know, like the, the, you know, the rumor Diablo 2 remaster, some word on Diablo 4, maybe even some comment on, you know, Diablo 3 content, because they haven't added any real new content Diablo 3 outside of the Necromancer, which apparently did not sell all that well um, for a couple years. They still do the latter stuff and this, you know the regular season stuff, but Diablo three has been more or less static outside of you know like the Switch version that got released and yeah. stuff. Um, and I think Diablo three fans were just hoping for a bone to be thrown their way. And I don't. I mean, there's there's something to be said for managing expectations, but Blizzard kind of spent a long time saying like, "Hey, we're gonna have a Diablo thing," and but it wasn't lying. No, but like it's 
like if EA had been teasing like we're gonna have a command and conquer thing before E3 and then you had to sit through that 10 minute mobile demo it's like yes I understand why that's there I understand why that is a thing but if you thought that that was gonna make anybody happy in the core demographic you're out of your mind yeah I mean to me you're right Blizzard is has been was kind of tone deaf on the whole thing Mm -hmm. but still to me the fans are just acting like children yeah but I, mean, I, I, I was talking like I think it was a couple months ago. I was talking about how increasingly I cannot connect with a lot of gamers anymore. It, and it, look, it's an age thing. I'm older, they're younger, and I get that. We're kind of at different points in our lives. But increasingly for me, I've become more and more embarrassed by the activity of the mm-hmm. people I would call my brothers and sisters. Um, I don't, it probably hasn't really changed that much. I think it's me that's changed. My perspective on people reacting like this to things uh, has probably changed over time. I'm sure back when I was in my teens and early 20s, this would have happened. I'd probably been like, eh, whatever, that's the way it goes. But now I, I watch it and I'm like, to me, these people, we represent each other. It's like when people know that you're really into games, when they run, like my family, they'll be like, I'll go home for Christmas. Like, oh, I ran into this kid the other day. He's a big gamer, and he said he's been playing this and this and like they connect you. You're connective tissue to that scene. And when stuff like this bubbles up and it ends up making it on like the home page of major commercial websites, and your family starts to see it, and they're like, "What the hell is all this all about?" They start to associate you with that way of thinking and that activity, and I don't like that because Mm -hmm. these people seem insane to me. Well, I, I admit, like, and I said to my girlfriend, we we're talking about it, because she watched the BlizzCon stuff because she's in Overwatch. Yeah. She, I mean, she's thrilled with the new character yeah, and everything. Yeah. But um, I was like, she was like, it's like, is there anything, like, she's a giant Castlevania fan, so mm-hmm. she's already had her heart broken. Right. Her, sister, her fam- favorite series is over. But she's like, I didn't scream at Konami or cry about it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I can't think of anything that, like, you would tell me, oh, no more of these are ever coming, and I would be that upset about it. Um, maybe that's because I'm a Sega fan, so I got my heart broken hard and early. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's just like, yeah. oh, what, Shenmue is never going to be finished? Oh, well. It's like, oh, no more Virtua Fighters? Okay. Uh, Sonic's going to suck for 20 years? Cool. Like, we're, we're there, you know. Yeah. Shinobi, what's that? You know, it's, it's, it, you know I, I've, I my honestly, favorite stuff is gone. I honestly can't think of anything that could happen in this industry that would make me act that way. Nothing. You no. could tell me... There's never going to be another Zelda again. There's never going to be another Mario again. There's never going to be another God of War. You could go on and on. No, none you of that. You can tell me there's never going to be another Metroid again, which I pretty much believed yeah, for yeah. a while. <laughs> none of that would make but me That, by the way, is a good comparison, I think, because I think if like, Nintendo did it right, Nintendo showed you a logo of Metroid Prime 4. Nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. Not, no release date, no hint and came, of anything. And there was no and game then, there, probably. And then they showed the Metroid 2 3DS remake, which would have been disappointing to people on its own, I think. Yeah. And, but, but they learned from Federation Force that you got to put that carrot up there yeah. before you hit people with the, the low-res stick. I <laughs> so. feel like people are upset and disappointed that Blizzard didn't manipulate them. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's really that's, what that it is comes a way down to. Say to. It. Yeah, They're like, true. dang, you should have manipulated me and you know, pulled the wool over my eyes instead of telling me what's really going on. What? It's... Yeah, well, I think they should have, uh, I mean, quote-unquote, leaked Diablo Immortal like a week before. Basically said, like, this is a mobile game. It's coming. We're going to talk about it at BlizzCon, so be ready for it. You know, like, basically, like, prepare yourself. This is the centerpiece. I think what's... what's Sorry. What's bothered me the most through this whole situation is 
not everybody, but a lot of people are like, oh, they're making this mobile game, so that means that Diablo 4 isn't going to come out now for another, you know, I saw people saying, now 2025 for the next Diablo because it's yeah, mobile. Well, that doesn't make Even any though sense. Blizzard was completely upfront saying, this game is farmed out, it's done yeah. by somebody, this has no impact whatsoever on when the no. next Diablo comes out. None. And then you had Schreier to, doing that, run that article about uh, that they supposedly pulled Diablo 4. Right. Who was then very forcibly corrected by Blizzard people. Oh, so um, he got a bad quote, Schreier did. Uh, I know a couple people related to the situation that basically said, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh. Um, so I think they knew well ahead of time they were not going to show Diablo 4, whatever that is they're working whatever on Whatever it was, now. yeah. Because um, we know that Diablo 3 got, like, torn down to the, to the ground, like, twice during... I mean, they don't, they don't finish something unless it's what they think it should be, and they... Are willing, you know, Blizzard's willing to go pretty far with something before they decide this is not working. We have to start over. Yeah, I mean, just think of StarCraft Ghost. Look at Overwatch. Yeah. Overwatch was basically <laughs> like we they, we took the, the 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 broken shards of Project Titan and made a Created character shooter out of it. It's like, yeah. Hit, yeah. So like, you know, if there's one thing, you know, Blizzard. I mean, I'm hesitant to say Blizzard knows what they're doing as a counterpoint to people being upset about Diablo because we remember how Diablo three launched. Yeah. Um. And, like, I don't blame, I blame, I don't, I'm not, I think the reaction, the, the violent, you know, angry reaction and the freak out is stupid. But I don't blame people for being um, sensitive about Diablo, I guess, because it's been forever. Yeah, I mean, if you um, like a franchise and, and you like, care about it a lot, and look, like they're gonna get emotional about and it. And like the, you know, the, there's a, there's sort of a, a it's the, the mobile game thing, the kind of the free to play mobile game thing is almost like a trigger word at this point for people because it's just ex associated with such an exploitative business model. And I think, you know, for a fandom that was, you know, hurt early on in Diablo 3's life by the horrible implementation of that auction house, yeah, it just, it has to feel like. Yet again, here is Blizzard, Activ Activision Blizzard, which I've seen written out more often than I have in years <laughs> this week. Um, you know, which, looking by the way, again, the stock has dropped yeah, because of Looking this. again for a way to screw them with, you know, we have to find a way to leverage modern microtransaction bullshit against the Diablo fan base, and here's our next attempt. Yeah. Like, that's how it's being seen. The Diablo fans are just and lucky I have a, that they haven't got attacked with that yet. Everybody yeah. else already has. <laughs> I, have a, I, my, I have a hard time blaming people for being unhappy about it but there's a way to deal with disappointment and this isn't it i don't know why they're unhappy look so for me there's two different perspectives there's the perspective of the person who's sitting at home watching it on their computer or their tv then there's the people who paid to go mm -hmm. and so i look at each group a little differently the people who are sitting at home on their computers whining and bitching f off the people who paid to go to BlizzCon, I have a little more sympathy for that. Yeah, I, because... I have more sympathy for the people who are paying for a hotel room in Anaheim right. to see that. Right. Yeah. And and it wasn't like it was false advertising on Blizzard's part, but I can still understand why they would be disappointed because if you spent all that money, especially if you traveled from mm -hmm. overseas or even from the like East Coast, like if you're a Diablo fan and you thought that this was going to be the thing to see, and right. like you're gonna be able to, as a Diablo fan, there's going to be a, a landmark moment to say you were there right. for. Yeah. Like I get, I, I understand why you would be that. Upset. I can understand why you'd be upset, upset about it, but yeah. it's how you channeled the anger. Yeah, <laughs> it to me is the problem. I'm on both counts, the people who watch at home and the people who were there. I could totally understand someone who spent a ton of money to go there, hoping, even though Blizzard didn't say it was gonna be there, but still it is BlizzCon and you hope 
when you spend that money and you plunk that down on your credit card that there's gonna be something magical happening there. And it's been six years. And honestly, I think maybe seven part- Seven years, six years, seven Yeah. And I think maybe part of it is that there were really no big announcements. No, it wasn't much. Uh, if I feel like if the rest of the event had a little more heft to it, yeah. then, I, pe- even, then angry people wouldn't have zoned in on this one thing. Yeah. Like I think have. even if they just announced the Diablo 2 remaster, yeah. it would, I mean, that would almost have been continuity. There. Yeah. You know, it's like, we got World of Warcraft Classic, we got Warcraft 3 remaster, we got a Diablo 2 remaster. Remember how good all these things were? It's yeah. great, awesome, cool. Like, at least that would have been something to look forward to from, like, a standard Diablo game. You know, I'm a Diablo fan. I like Diablo. I, I played, uh, I, I own Diablo 3 twice, for, yeah. for Christ's sake. Um, it's, uh, it's really good. Like, it became really good, I should say. I didn't like it that much at launch, but eventually they turned it into something that was really, really a lot, a lot of fun. Does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> turned it into something that was really a lot of fun to play. Um, and so, yeah, like, my reaction to this is I'm disappointed that, this, you know, clearly it's a longer wait, again, for, you know, more real Diablo. Um... But a longer wait than what? Than maybe if it had been announced now, I guess. I don't think I mean, the wait for the game has changed at all. No, but it's just the like, wait for the, it's, the wait. The, the first... wait hasn't changed. The wait. The wait is you maybe thought that the wait was going to be shorter than it turned out to be. Yeah. It's not like anything changed. It's just nothing like, has changed. Now you have more information, and that information is not good. Like it's it's not encouraging. It, it's not what you wanted. Right. I don't think the information's bad or not. I mean, it's just not what they wanted. Right. Well, I mean, it's like, it's not like I don't have anything else to play. Like, yeah. it's just, I mean, exactly. Diablo, Diablo Immortal is just another mobile game for me to ignore, yeah. frankly. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, I mean, unless like people come back with it and it's like, oh my God, this is so much fun, but I don't believe that. I mean, if it was like a Blizzard made game, that's the irony is like, if it was a Blizzard made game that they were like, we're taking Diablo, we're gonna adapt it to a mobile game and we're gonna make it awesome. Great. Yeah. But it's not. It's yeah. an existing game that's being, you know, modded into Di- into yeah. Diablo. Like so who cares? I think that's Might as well make Diablo Candy Crush. At that I think point. that's the point though. I might who play cares? That. Why why does anybody care? It's a mobile game. It's not impacting the development of any other stuff at Blizzard. It's being made by some other team in China. When it's done, it's done. Who cares? It's just like, people not handling disappointment well. Yeah, that's really um, what it comes down to. And I don't mean to say that like Blizzard didn't do anything. I mean, Blizzard should have known, like if they, in this venue with this audience, that is not the thing, not not just the thing to only mention about Diablo, it's not the thing to close the show with. As I understand, it was the last thing they did. Yeah. And then the- Blizzard the, just didn't have anything. I mean, maybe I, Blizzard should have just canceled BlizzCon, but you can't do that. No, you can't do that at this point. And I mean, I got a, I, I laughed when the guy got, the, that one guy got up and said like, is this a mistimed April Fool's joke? Um, which is, is uh, snide, but pretty funny. And then the, and then they, the, the response was, don't you own a phone? It's like, it was, uh, it was a bad scene. It was a bad look. It was not the way to handle that. Well, um, I think it's pretty disrespectful to yeah. say something like that to Blizzard, a company that apparently you love so much that you're willing to plunk down a oh, ton of cash see, I to go you're to their say, convention. I thought you were going to say it was disrespectful of the guy on stage to say that to the guy because well, both. it was. No, both of them was. I think it was disrespectful of the fan to say that. I mean, he's just being a jerk is what it comes down to. But he was also... The response from Blizzard wasn't great, but when you're putting that position on a live stage in front of literally like tens of thousands of people there and watching online... Yeah, he was. What is what's he gonna do? He was well. He could address the situation instead of mocking people for not owning a phone. But they were mocking him, and he's on stage. In no, front he of said, "Do you guys not own a phone?" Right. Like it was. Uh, yeah, he's he's talking to the people that were booing them. Basically, I mean, that was it was not a positive. They knew they had not been received well from the moment they mentioned it. Well, they uh, booed immediately yeah. as soon as they announced it. Yeah. Although I'm guessing if they had just played that trailer. 
and it didn't come up with a logo at the and didn't have the part in the end where they showed on a mobile phone and didn't have the name and just said, hey, this is a new Diablo we're working on, people wouldn't have freaked out. And I'm sure if, if they had just shown that trailer, I don't even know how it played out. I don't know if they said, this is our new Diablo for mobile, and then they played the trailer, or if they just played the trailer. They, I guarantee, no, they, they did a whole setup where the guy basically said, like, you know, we want to make sure everyone can play. So we're making mobile a four. I mean, okay. at first it almost sounded like you're going to be playing Diablo 4. If you thought Diablo 4 was what they're talking about, it sounded like there was going to be like a second screen mobile phone component of Diablo 4. Oh, got you. And then it's like, hey, so here's this Diablo Immortal, a mo new mobile game for mobile phone. And it's like, early, it was kind of like this thing where everyone's like, rrr, 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 rrr. I get that. It was, Being uh, disappointed is fine. It's how it's what you do with it oh, after sure. you're disappointed. But I'm just that makes all the difference. I'm not meaning to excuse the reaction. What I'm saying is, if Blizzard didn't know this was what the reaction was going to be in this day and age with this kind of demographic, with how gamers are now, someone should have spoken up in a meeting. That's all I'm saying. I'm surprised by it, though. I'm I, not. I would have never thought people would react. This then you're way. not paying attention. I am paying I pay attention more than probably anyone in the world, and I am shocked by this. Like how, I'm not surprised that people were disappointed, or I wouldn't have been surprised if someone just went on social media and was like, man, I spent all this money to go to BlizzCon, and BlizzCon kind of sucked this year. Get it. Totally get it. But we've seen some other level of stuff here. There's yeah, like well, I, thousands I of memes going all over the internet, and like... I think that other level is where, where the level's been for a while now. Like I, I think that I, that's not it's not surprising to me at all. What's outrage culture? Yeah. Everyone has to find something to be outraged about. No, outrage no one culture. can just go through their lives and just be like and take the bumps no, and bruises. No, outrage culture is something different. This is an entitlement problem. Um, well, aren't they kind of intertwined with each other? Somewhat, but not always the same thing. And I don't know who's what in this, but uh, like the like the it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. The problem for me is the idea that Blizzard is not reading the room. Uh, in this scenario, I would have not been able to have read that. I'm not. I don't work at Blizzard. Granted, I don't work with their fans as well, much as they do. But to feel, me, feel this free, is feel not. Feel free to have me attend the next meetings, then, because I would have. <laughs> I would have called this shit months out. To like, me, this is not a very big deal, and it's been blown out of. And again, it's one of those well, things. Well, none of where, these people are not going to buy Diablo Four. Right. Exactly. Like that, yeah, I know. In I the know. end. Exactly. I mean, that's the irony of the whole thing. It's They'll just, be the first ones in line to it's buy. It's sort game. of all around embarrassing. It is. Yeah. It's a. It's a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> If you could find the I mean, definition of a shit I show. mean, there were people, there were Star Citizen fans who were making fun of how BlizzCon <laughs> wasn't as good as their convention, which is like, there's there's a bar. Yeah, it was, you're right though. It was bad. Half all their demo at CitizenCon was waiting for trains. Yeah, yeah. The fans shouldn't have reacted the way it did. Blizzard shouldn't have blown back at the fans the way it did in public. And on Blizzard stage. should have had a bone to throw. Yeah. Even if it was just a Diablo 2 remaster announcement, it didn't have to be Diablo 4. But I don't think you're hurting anyone if you're saying, like, hey, Diablo 4 is coming. It's it's a long way out. We're working on it, though. Like, it's it's a thing. Here's a, here's a logo. It's got rainbows on it. You know, like, I think there's a whole lot of people who need to go outside. Need they to... did go outside. They went to Anaheim and they got <laughs> shown a mobile game. <laughs> Stay inside next Seriously, time. Seriously, I think there, there's all too many people that are spending way too much time online, in front of screens. And look, I do it too because I have to. It's my job. But people need to get out and press the reset button a little bit on their digital lives. Like, because you're, you're in this bubble. You're insulated with all these other people who are angry and just looking for something to lash out at. When you get away, and that's one of the reasons why when I go home for the holidays, I just completely disconnect. 
I don't go on Twitter, I don't go on Facebook, I go home and I spend FaceTime with my family, I spend FaceTime with my old friends. Doesn't your family live in like some kind of rural shack somewhere with no internet? No, they do no. not. In fact, they do not. Um, <laughs> I think people need that time. You're a long drive though, for out in the middle of nowhere, aren't you? I thought. What do you mean? I thought when you go home, like you gotta like rent a car and drive out. Oh, I rent a car in Washington D.C. and then I'll drive up to Pennsylvania. It's like two hour, two hour drive or something. But it's not like where my parents live is the boonies. They live in the capital of Pennsylvania, basically Mm. near Harrisburg. So, um, I just know that for me, it's very good to disconnect every once in a while and get away from the hive mind, the outrage culture, all the crazy crap that's going online because. It gives you a new perspective on everything, not just what's going on online, but on life and priorities and what's really important. Um, I think Pack in this week's episode, <laughs> he made a really good point. He's like, what is life about? Is it about arguing with people online about stupid crap, or is it about your family and your friends and those interpersonal, real relationships that you have in your life? And uh, I just feel like a lot of people are losing focus of what's really important in life, and they're dedicating way too much time, energy, anger to stuff that doesn't matter. It doesn't freaking matter. It's a mobile Diablo game. You don't have to play it. You never will. Fine. It's not affecting the game that you wanted. It just, to me, I just don't get it. It's just, I'm not wired that way, and it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I, I'm a little more sympathetic to the people who were there in person who spent money to go there. Um, because it was honestly probably the worst BlizzCon in the last like eight years it or something. It was a very anemic announcement. Yeah, I mean, I so I, so I understand that. I understand their disappointment. It's expensive to come out to California, especially if you're flying from some. I understand that. It's the keyboard warriors that I just, I've never understood it. I never will, I guess. And it's just another case where they've just completely lost me. So, I don't know, people. Take a breath. Take a step back. They're just video games. They really are just video games. They're probably, all... You should probably save that for the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> They're all ones and zeros. Don't go outside yet. Yeah. Well, actually, if you want to go outside and vote, go. Well, yeah. But, uh, the other, but only to vote. The other big <laughs> announcement at BlizzCon was a remaster of, of Warcraft 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not played Warcraft 3. Wow. Yeah. I've never played it. It's one of those missing gaps in my play history that I, I, I regret, and I always want to rectify it, and I never have, and now maybe this gives me hmm. I used to the play, reason to do so. I used to play Warcraft 3 in a game lab at uh, Tech TV with uh, Greg Bemis every Wednesday. A lot of people say it's like one of the um, best games ever. It was very ever. good. But that's also an indication of the idea that we had time every Wednesday to play Warcraft with each other. It was like, that was before the show went three days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, when we just did one half hour each week. And like, oh boy, that was a different workload. Easy street. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we played a lot of Warcraft. It was, it was good. I was not good at it, but I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, and the story was good. Like, you know, it's, it's basically the, the run up to uh, the Wrath of the Lich King in World of Warcraft. Uh, just go, you know, and it's one of the few things that you can't really uh, play anymore with, unless you have a physical copy laying right. around. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a good move. Do you think the fans were happy with this? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't see anybody upset about it. Yeah. Because you were talking what, about like a Diablo 2 remake, and they, yeah. they, they did get this, which yeah. a lot of people consider well, one of the greatest RPGs sure, of all but time. I, well, this isn't an RPG. It's just RTS. But like uh, Proto-MOBA. But... Um, I think uh, you, you might be dealing with fairly different 
fandoms yeah, as well. Like that's the, true. You know, Diablo fans aren't necessarily Warcraft fans, are which aren't necessarily World of Warcraft fans, oddly enough. Um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting to see Blizzard looking back so much. Uh, you know, between WoW Classic and this, and the rumored Diablo remasters. Um, I mean, hell, at this point, Diablo three is almost as old as Diablo two was when Diablo three came out. Um, <laughs> that's true. But uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's also a, a method of preservation. Like the more you can get all this stuff onto um, whatever Dude, they like, not it's not uh, BattleNet anymore. Whatever they call that. It is actually they reverted oh, back they to reverted Battle again. Net. Yeah, okay. they went back. <laughs> Wise. Because their fans once again freaked out. Well, also because he got a name. He They've been it, there for what fifteen years. Yeah. Or why something? would you change that? Like that. We said that on this show whenever they announced it. We we're like, that's insane. It makes no sense whatsoever. And Blizzard ultimately yeah. relented and went back. And it's not even like they changed it to like the Activision Blizzard app. It was just it's the Blizz app. Yeah. I was like, well, why? Why just? I mean, I know Battle.net's kind of a random name to some degree because it yeah. doesn't have Blizzard in it or whatever. But, like, that's what you named it in 1996 or whatever. And it's like, like GeoCities and all yeah. those, like, crappy websites well, cause the, from the 90s. That was the thing was, like, no one else had that kind of service except for maybe Mplayer. Yeah. And so you could, like, call it Battle.net because that was the well, only plus, place to battle on the net, Well, also, man. back then, URLs were, like, like that were available. Like, right. you, you could get Battle.net back then. Right. Uh, maybe they were looking at how much it's worth now, and we're like, maybe we should just sell it and rebrand <laughs> it. Not that Blizzard needs any money or no, anything. No, I think they're good. But, um, I mean, it's, again, it's like a bunch, you know, you've got basically two remasters in a mobile game, and Overwatch is the only game that feels like it's moving forward out of the announcements yeah. there. Because they kind of ignored Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, I didn't see anything Yeah, there, there wasn't really any big announcements for that. And we're, we're actually... I'll just spoil it for you now. Our trailer of the week this week is for the big character reveal for Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out a, they actually put out like three trailers for the new character. Yeah, Ash. a few things. Uh, clearly, Overwatch is where the eggs are in yep. the basket. Absolutely. Um, you know, they know where the, what side the bread is buttered and and other food metaphors. <laughs> um, but you can see, like, they know, yeah. like, that's that's where they got to focus right now. Yeah. Um, um, and they got, you know, the new expansions out for Warcraft, and that's cool and all, but, like... It's doing very well, yeah, apparently. Like, fastest selling ever or something yeah. like that? Yeah. It's, like, the most players they've had in, like, seven years or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it seemed to appeal. I mean, I would probably not go back to World of Warcraft again, just because I played... I played you know how much I love MMOs. <laughs> I played World of Warcraft mostly out of peer pressure. Yeah. Um, it was a thing where, like, I mean... Everyone I, was doing it. Well, I mean, honestly... That's why I tried it three Well, I tried times. it originally, and I liked it, but I only played a little bit, and then it was around the time... Uh, right around the time Wrath of the Lich King came out, Morgan actually said, like, we're all going to play this. You're playing it, and I'm, I want to play this, so you're going to play it, and you're, gonna, we, you're all going to play it. So we all played World of Warcraft with her yeah. until she didn't want to play anymore. I mean, I, I maxed out a paladin. I, Did I, you? I was... I was, I, I was uh, you were in there. Oh, I was leading the charge. At one point, I remember we were doing... Did you ever a, go on a raid? Yeah, we did a we raid. Did? We didn't succeed, but we did. <laughs> we did do a raid. Um, I never got into the high level stuff with any MMO. I just find it tedious. Yeah, and... I find the entire genre tedious. Well, yeah, so. <laughs> um, it's all about the social experience. And if you get to a point where nobody wants, you know, it was right in the middle of the show. The show's heyday, and like, there's a point at which you just can't get enough people together to do that on a regular and nightly basis. Yeah. And sort of, you know, but we'd all Fizzled hit the out. level cap. We'd done a few things. We'd done like the high level stuff. There wasn't that much to do then in comparison to now, um, and we felt yeah, everyone kind of felt like yeah we we got it we did it we did what we had to do and now we're gonna put it down uh, except for one guy who 
basically kept gaming the auction house on his own for like the next six months. <laughs> and he was really good at it. I mean, by the t- I remember I logged in a few months later and he's like, hey, you want, he just like piled all this like super rare shit on me. He's like, yeah, I got tons. He's like, I've just been like gaming the entire auction house system for months. That was like the first time one of my friends told me that they had done the Masetta trick in a Fantasy Star Online. <laughs> and I met him in a lobby and he handed me more money than I had ever earned in playing the game like 10 hours a day for like two months. <laughs> He's like, here you go. And I was like, what? None of it matters. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, MMOs, that's another hole in my play history. I have never, I have never played an MMO long enough to really get what they're about. Mm. Um, I have tried, I tried WoW like three different times. Um, Lord of the Rings online, everyone was like, this is the one you're gonna like. And I tried that and I yeah. lasted like two days. Uh, the Star Wars MMO, I played that for like a couple days, Which and one? I've never been able to stick with it. Uh, Republic or Old Republic? Yeah, yeah. Old Republic. Yeah. It's Galaxy. Galaxies has its fan. I base, tried that too, actually. But I found Galaxies to be impenetrable. I tried Galaxies for like two days. I got like a free copy of it. I'm like, I might as well give it a spin. And two days, I was like, I'm done. Like, I've never ma- managed to make it through that initial stage with an MMO where they're just telling you over and over, now go over here and kill five wolves and come back. Now go over here and kill eight bunnies mm-hmm. and come back. I've never made it past that part of the MMO well, I mean, to that really is, figure out that it, is it never MMOs. changes. Not really. That's why I've never... Well, that's the thing is they're not fun to play. Like, in general, yeah. I don't find them fun to play. They're the, kind of like elaborate chat rooms in a way. Yeah, they're social experiences. Or like in the case of Old Republic, um, you know, they, that, was, that was very World of Warcraft-y. Uh, but it was story driven, and if it, you know, it was, if, the, if you found the story interesting, it was a pretty good game. Yeah, uh, I played uh, fairly extensively on um, Secret World because I liked the setting and I liked the story. Um, but it, like, you would just find it annoying. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of MMO. You know, I played Lord of the Rings Online. Tried to get into that, it just didn't work for me. Um, I played Terra and Shadowbane and. Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online is actually pretty good. That's kind of an action ship-based combat thing. That's pretty good. You might want to try that at some point if you have any tolerance for Star Trek. Um, a little. Free to play. I am definitely a Star Wars over Star Trek guy. Me too, but free to play. It's free to play, and you can get through the whole game without spending any money. Like it's all right there. Um, I did, and so did uh, Lawrence, my friend Lawrence, and he doesn't play MMOs at all. He's just a Star Trek nerd to uh, like an nth degree and I'm like try this He's like, I mean even Star Wars couldn't get me into MMOs yeah. that's when I knew I was like wait a minute I'm not well, enjoying playing a Star Wars MMO well you could argue that this I mean the, the first Star Wars MMO was not any good for anyone who wasn't already pretty well versed in what passed for the genre at the time yeah and um god damn it let the Wookiee dance <laughs> and um Old Republic was I loved it, but like it was a, it was a, it was KOTOR with like bad gameplay. <laughs> like it was, it was a, and it was much better now. I mean, now it's like, you know, it was very solo based. You don't have to team up with people to get through story missions anymore. It's, it's a much more rapid ascent. Like you can, you know, and they have like crazy weekends and weeks where it's like 15 times experience. So like you burn through the story in like, in like a day. Yeah. You know? It's like it's, you just that, level up that's success. the way to do it. Yeah. You know? And, um, because when it initially launched, it was like you got to grind. You had to do every single thing you could possibly do Just to, to get, stay at the level right. you had to be to do all this. And they did a huge revamp at one point where basically you can just follow the story critical path and never do any outside stuff and you'll level up enough to do everything. They do that with a lot of online games. Yeah, they do it with Call of Duty now, like the double XP weekend. Yeah, the streamlining like... is, is, is the streamlining was pretty notable. I mean, the Old Republic, I would say, was around the time of 
when they did that, it was around the time a lot of MMOs were being like, hey, maybe we should make these like more accessible, especially since people pretty much see the end game as the real game, and like the journey to the level cap is really just sort of like the tutorial almost. Yeah, um, yeah I will. I'll probably not go back to World of Warcraft, although like I'm moderately curious to to see World of Warcraft Classic. Oh yeah, just because right. like it was it was so weird to. Well, they're fighting against the community for all this time. Yeah, now they finally <laughs> decided to do it. And that was, I mean, that, when that launched, it was a good deal. People were, it was funny to see how people got, like, obsessed and locked in on that thing. So here's even the, the question. Even the reviewers got a little crazy about it at the time. Yeah. Like, the people got in early were just like, yeah, I'm level 30, you can't beat me now. So we're like, beat you at what? Like, we don't <laughs> I'm killing, I'm still killing sheep. I'm a fucking mage in, like, the, in, like, the first area. So, is there any way we give BlizzCon anything but an F? Probably not. I yeah. Mean, I mean, unless you're an Overwatch fan. And we don't give Fs for conventions, it. like, ever. Yeah. I don't think we've ever, either one of us have ever given an F. Well, I wasn't there, so I don't know if I can really rate it. But well, we're not at a lot of them, but we but, still score them. But what I saw was pretty much, I mean, yeah, pretty much an maybe, F. Maybe I give it a D because of the Overwatch stuff. I mean, I give it a D or D minus for Ash is pretty cool, and I do want to play the War the Warcraft Three remaster. Yeah, um, but just like not a lot of foresight happening there. Yeah, like, a distinct inability to read the room. I don't know if that photo of the empty Diablo demo section was actually real, right? Um, could, or if knows. they just somebody just found a picture of it before they opened it or something. Right. But like that was pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Blizzard needs to do better next year. Um, I feel like they. I feel like you probably come away with this having learned something. If you're Blizzard, Blizzard, you can't do the show unless you have something to show. I mean, that's really yeah. what Blizzard learned. I think is that. And if you don't have any of the show, give away really cool stuff. Right. And Just having the event because you've always had the event is not a good idea, because people still have expectations. Yeah. And, and now it's been shown. If Blizzard doesn't live up to expectations, there's going to be a lot of backlash. Yeah. And I think maybe they should have learned something from. Bethesda's E3 conference this year, where Bethesda really didn't have a whole lot. Yeah. But they they knew that they had to kind of, you know, blow the lid off Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six to kind of be like, here's something coming. It's a long way out, but we hear you. It's here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Again, be more later. please manipulate me. If Pretty you, much. If you don't, I'll be mad. <laughs> yeah, or just give me, you know, throw us a bone. Like, that's, that's all you got to do. And, like, I mean, yeah. look at Nintendo. Nintendo's just... All they've done is show you a logo of Metroid Prime 4 for two years. Yeah. And everyone, that's all there was. When they and everyone's like, oh, I really want it. But like, well, at least it's coming. You know, it's, 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 it's oddly soothing to the fan base to like just be like, no. here it is. Even though you it's already coming. knew. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody knows another Diablo is coming. Yeah, but it's an uncertain world. <laughs> I mean, the world would have to end for there not to be another Diablo game. Ironically, that is what Diablo would like. The world would have to end for there to not be another StarCraft. Like, these games are coming, so they needed some video with a logo on it to make them feel okay. It just, I don't know. It's really weird when you think about the psychology behind it. I think and Bl- should... it's not just Blizzard. I mean, like, you brought up with Nintendo. Same deal with, like, Metroid Prime. It's like, people just want to know for sure. They want to know I, I for sure know. they have something to look forward to because they don't trust anything anymore, I guess. Yeah, which, hey, fair enough. Yeah. I guess I can understand that part of it. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Smash Brothers. Right. I mean, Diablo sold, Diablo 3 sold 30 million copies. There's no way another one isn't coming. Yeah, and Diablo 4 is going to sell another 30 million despite all these people whining and moaning and complaining about it. So uh, next year, I have a feeling Diablo 4 will be a BlizzCon. <laughs> Could be. 
that's a safe bet. Uh, all right, so let's move it'll on. It'll be first. <laughs> We're going to talk about Smash Brothers. Uh, Nintendo did a huge Nintendo Direct for Smash Brothers right after we had recorded last week's episode. So we have not been able to uh, talk about it. The final, at least according to Nintendo, it's the final bit of information we're getting about Smash Brothers. Basically, Nintendo just putting the cap on it and saying, mm. okay, all that's left now is to wait for the release. Um, and Nintendo really blew it out. It announced a ton of stuff for Smash Brothers. Uh, we're just going to go through it and try to discuss each of the... There's basically b- three big things that it announced. So the first thing was several new characters. Mm. So it announced Ken. Ken is an Echo character of Ryu. Yep. Uh, but he does have a lot of his own attacks. Yeah, the Echo Fighters are not direct clones. They they generally have a couple of unique things to them. Yeah, they have. Some, he has some unique attacks, and the the way the attacks work that he does share with Ryu, they're also changed mm. as far as the amount of damage that they do or how much damage you don't take, things like that. Yeah, been, it's very true to the way they, they're depicted in Street Fighter. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's pretty much the same way that they are in Street Fighter. Are you a Ryu guy or a Ken guy in Street Fighter? Ryu. I'm a Ken. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it's like, it's funny how basically they're kind of the same character, but people are very strongly opinionated. Yeah. Well, they're totally different characters in how they play. Yeah. Like, it, we, Ryu's a fireball zoner, and uh, Ken is an in-your-face uh, rushdown. Yeah. Usually, I mean, With on the average. crazy helicopter kick. Yeah. But, so. uh, and I, for whatever reason, I've always been a Ken guy, because I like that upside-down scissor thing that he does. Like, I got good at doing it. I could fire it off every time. I think that's a big part of, of it, too, is, like, which one were you better with? I was better with Ken than I was with Ryu. And so for me, I always chose Ken and I always played Ken instead of choosing Ryu. Because they were identical originally. Right, yeah. At first they were. But over time, they mm. I think over time they've separated more and more. Oh, yeah. Like they, the first separation was in Champion Edition where they made his uppercut was a little stronger and Ryu's fireball was a little stronger. Yeah. And uh, they've, that's how they've sort of diverged over time. Uh, now we're seeing the second character that was announced... Uh, Incineroar, which is a Pokemon from Pokemon Sun and Moon, I yeah, believe. The, 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 I think it's the, the final level, the third evolution or the final evolution of one of the starters. The a very starter. weird character. <laughs> I mean, kind of all the new Pokemon are weird at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, they got to do something to keep it fresh. Well, they got to do something just to make something different. Yeah. I and mean, when you start thinking about all the permutations and combinations you need to create that many characters for the same franchise. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they bunt. There's oh yeah, a, there's the one that's just like a trash bag with a face on it. Like yeah, it's, it's like, it like evolves to be a bigger trash bag. That's like, like rare theory of character creation. <laughs> just stick some eyeballs on it, and you've got a you got a video game. Yeah, if it was drunk, it would be a rare character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A hiccuping broom or whatever. Um, and then the final new character they announced announced was a uh, piranha plant. Yeah. Which is from the Mario franchise, which seems like a really weird character to be in a fighting game because. They don't move. Yeah, they hop around. I guess. Do they? Uh, wasn't one of them was in a Mario Kart game at some point? Yeah, but he was in a car. Yeah, that well, moved for him. You can hop around. <laughs> yeah, I think it's weird. Um, it's a little shop of horrors thing. Yeah, it, it seemed odd. There's so many other characters that they could have put in there. Still, despite how huge this roster is. It seemed like maybe they are starting yeah. to reach the long. I mean, also like returns. he seemed fairly strongly based on like the, the the first boss in like Mario Galaxy, which did walk around. Yeah, you're right. It um, did. That's right. So like, I mean, he's, it was funny. One of the one of the pro Smash players like 
retweeted a tweet of his from like February where he was like he had a weird dream he was at a tournament and no, none of the characters he normally uses were available but the piranha plant was for some reason playable <laughs> so he picked that and played that in the tournament and now That's he's like funny. what the hell <laughs> like, uh, you can take over for Miss Cleo uh, and then so those are the characters um, when they do start doing DLC each character is going to be six bucks which the piranha plants DLC yeah. yeah right okay yeah so that character will cost six bucks and any solo character is going to cost six dollars that seems like a lot to me. It's a lot. Is that typical for fighting games? Mm, yeah, that's about. It's I mean, like five or six five, bucks. Five usually? to eight bucks. That's, in there. That seems like a lot to me. But you can pay twenty five dollars and get five. Mm-hmm. So you get a dollar off each one if you buy the five. We. Yeah, you save five bucks or whatever. So that's better, how the DLC is going to work. Yeah, they didn't announce any other DLC characters yet. I mean, I figure this is sort of the plan moving forward. That like this this game is going to be a platform. It's a service. Yeah, it's a game ba- is a service. Sakurai clearly doesn't want to make any more of these things. He said like it. he said he didn't want to make it anymore. Like so, like I figure this Smash Ultimate is probably just going to be ported forward forever. Yeah, it's a platform. Is yeah. what it's going to be, and it'll just go on and. This will Nintendo. be Smash Brothers from now on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that because Nintendo. It's Nintendo. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd have to buy it again for the next system. Right. But yeah. it would be basically the same thing. The same thing. game. Yeah, which what they did with... I mean, this is basically <laughs> the Wii U game with a bunch of new features. Well, and also, with, it's ev- all of the game. I mean, it's right. everything yeah. that's ever been that's in Smash true. Brothers all in one game. It's a, it's a giant remaster, remake, slash collection, slash nostalgia tribute. It's, it's, it's ultimate. It's ultimate. Yeah, that's a perfect name. You can't go further than ultimate. Nope, you can't. Although Nintendo will try, they'll call it like Ultimate XD Zeta or <laughs> yeah. use like you know like some kind of Latin to like you know take the Capcom page out. Well, I mean it's the Nintendo page because Nintendo's been porting everything from Wii U to Switch, and then they give yeah. it that deluxe moniker or whatever to mm. delineate itself from the original version. Or just you know at least it's better than Smash Brothers uh, for the for the Wii U. It was literally the title <laughs> really of the last was. one. It's just like, okay. It's like, Melee, Brawl, for the Wii U. Okay. What? No, it wasn't that. No, you're right. It was. It even had, like, the Wii U on the box. Yeah, it was yeah. the actual title. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, and then they, they showed off two modes for the first time. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Spirit Mode. Spirit Mode is insane. It's, um... How do I, it basically replaces... The trophies and event mode all in one new feature. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what the spirits are is their buffs. They're equipable, equipable buffs that you can equip to any of your characters. And I it, like the stickers. Yeah. The last one. And it legitimately like increases the abilities of that character. Yeah. Typically, they, like in a tournament setting, like they don't have that. I would hope not. You can turn it off and on, but mm-hmm. it will work. In all modes. Mm-hmm. But you can toggle it on or off if you want to. Um, once you assign a spirit to your character, it actually levels up. So it, that buff becomes more powerful the more you use a character that has that buff attached to it. You can only have one buff attached to a character at a time. So you don't have like this whole like bevy of buffs attached to each character. It's one at a time. But then you evolve that buff as if it's a character in an RPG, which seems absolutely crazy um not only that the spirits the spirits really are kind of like pokemon in a way or maybe chow Mm -hmm. from the sega from uh sonic the hedgehog is a better comparison um but they evolve like over time if you keep using them just like a pokemon they'll level up level up and then they'll evolve into a brand new form Hmm. 
It's pretty insane how meta the whole thing is. Uh, you can train the spirits by with via expeditions, or there's a dojo that you can use to train them that, again, will help them level up if you just don't want to use them in regular gameplay. Uh, and like I said, you can toggle it on or off for any of the game modes in the game. Um, it seems crazy complicated. Uh, I'm sure once you have it in your hands, it'll make a lot more sense, and you're just kind of messing around with it. it you'll probably figure everything out in a couple hours. But listening to Nintendo and Sakurai try to explain it, it's pretty <laughs> freaking crazy. Um, like this demo that they showed during the Direct is like seven minutes long, and it's like this. It's just like one thing after another, just all these features that are rolled up into it. Um, but it doesn't replace or create or provide a true single-player campaign. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's the one caveat. Uh, the other major mode that was announced by Nintendo is called the World of Light Adventure Mode. Um, and this mode is the closest thing that it has to a story mode. Mm -hmm. It stars Kirby, but... As they have in the past. Yeah, I don't like, know why. Why is that? Because they're the edit. ones who make it. Oh, right, it's Hal. That's a good point. I never even thought about that. Oh, yeah, Kirby, Kirby's the main man in this, whether you, whether you like it or not. It is really weird. But he is the, the star of, uh, of World of Light. Um, basically, you venture through various Nintendo lands, um, but according to Nintendo and according to reports, there's really no plot in it. There's a big cinematic that kind of kicks things off, and there's a cinematic, I guess, at the end if you finish it, mm. but otherwise it's not really story-driven per se. I don't know how you do that. It but... seems like kind of a, like a world map sort of thing. Yeah. You, you go through like various Nintendo worlds and stuff. I don't know. It could be fun. I mean, I, I'm just happy to see some form of campaign back after yeah. they basically disappeared in uh, the last one. It sounds like they're trying to temper enthusiasm for it, though. Yeah. Because you show, like, a crazy CG trailer like this, people are going to assume that it's some awesome single-player Yeah, they're going to assume it's and... Subspace Emissary right. again. Right, right. And I, I still don't understand why that went away and never came back. I don't know. Like it, <laughs> it really I mean, it wasn't. It was kind of a mediocre it was. experience, but like the the cutscenes you got where all the characters teamed up was pretty awesome. Like yeah. so, yeah, it was worth playing just to see all that. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see what it's like. Uh, it does. It seems to have a fairly robust amount of single player content, which is good. It does absolutely, which is great. I mean, to be honest with you, it's just robust. Period. This game is for a fighting game is gigantic. I don't know if I can think of another more full-featured fighting game ever. Mm, can you? I think the most the most recent Mortal Kombat was up there. Yeah, um, yeah. The the stuff from NetherRealm. Yeah, you're right. Probably the only fighting franchise that really trumps what Nintendo's doing with Smash Brothers, um, because you have a legitimate story mode there. Yeah. I um, mean, Injustice, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Injustice Two had the kind of the the daily stuff, where like you know the, the different colliding worlds give you different challenge every day. There's a lot to do. Another Realm steps up and does it pretty well. I mean, there's also like, yeah, you know, like some of the Blaze Blue games have story modes that last hours and hours and hours. And I mean, was that one? Was Blaze Blue the most re either Blaze Blue or Guilty Gear one of the most recent ones? Like basically, like they have a early on they have a, a recap of like the story so far in the series, and it warns you that it's going to be like forty minutes long. <laughs> like it's going to be like, hey, if you are you sure you want to hear this because it's <laughs> it's in depth and it's it's uh it's pretty crazy. But like, I I would say Nether Realm is still the gold standard. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what this is once you know once our hands are on it and 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 how how in depth it gets. 
I don't think they need to get really as in depth with the story as NetherRealm does. Um, in part because it's sort of like a because it's know, Smash Brothers. Because it's Smash Brothers, <laughs> but also because it's just like. Like, an excuse to have everybody cross over like that is always going to end up being pretty silly. So um, it might be smarter just to have it be more of kind of like a a rudimentary narrative framework and then like just come up with a bunch of interesting challenges for people to do to clear out a map and call it a day. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, you're just playing Smash over and over and yeah. over again. Like the Subspace Emissary was a cool idea, but it was basically a mediocre Kirby game that it lasted was. like 12 hours. Yeah. yeah. Which... It's probably better than what we're going to get Better than nothing. Here, let's I mean, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. At least there is some significant single-player content to play through. Um, and are you? Does this? Do, do these announcements change your perspective on the game at all? Not really. Yeah, me either. I mean, I mean, I assumed it was going to be a big game, and yeah. it's it's actually bigger than I thought it was going to be. But ultimately, I'm not a big fan of playing Smash. So, and all this stuff just comes down to, hey, here's a. Here's some dialogue. Now go fight another yeah, round. I mean, at smash. least it feels full featured and it doesn't feel like they're trying to nickel and dime it. Yeah, um, I mean, you're gonna get your money's worth. If you're a Smash fan, mm-hmm. definitely getting your cash. Like I'm a, like the, the the DLC characters are pretty pricey, but it's like it's not like I have to jump in on the Piranha Plant right away. Well, you don't have to jump in on any. There's and like there's plenty of a stuff. Thousand characters in this game. I saw uh, in one in the Nintendo Direct, they briefly popped up the character select screen when everything's unlocked. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. It's a lot. Holy crap. It's a good thing we're in the HD era. Um, you it, wouldn't you be able wouldn't to read anybody. You wouldn't be able to tell what they are. <laughs> I mean, you're not, I'm not kidding. Yeah. There are that many. Um, and, and one thing that I do think is cool is when you first boot up the game, you get the same original, I think, eight characters from the first Smash, mm-hmm. and you have to unlock everything else. So they're kind of going back to the first game there. Was it eight? Yeah, eight characters Something from the like first that, yeah. Smash. Uh, so you start with that original base, and you have to unlock everything. So plenty of stuff to play through, um, unlock. If you love Smash, I mean, you won't have to buy another game for a really, really long time. Um, uh, some other notes. Yeah, good thing, yeah. <laughs> looking at the schedule, because <laughs> this is about it for the, for the year at the end. Yeah. Uh, a couple other small notes that were brought up in the Nintendo Direct. Real matchmaking based on actual skill this time. All sure. driven by GSP. Uh, before, it was driven partially by GSP, but really a lot of it, like Nintendo will fo- forego really good matchmaking to make sure people don't have to sit there a long time waiting mm-hmm. for a match to start. Well, we'll see. Now that people are paying for the online, hopefully they step it up a little bit. They better. I mean, expectations are going to go up. They're not going to be able to do the same stuff they've been doing, and people are going to be happy with it now that they paid for it. Yeah, well, they are still got the money, so... Yeah, that's true. What are people going to do, not buy Smash Brothers? <laughs> well, I wouldn't, but... <laughs> I mean... You're e- a rare duck. Even if, Well, are you going to buy it? Yeah, probably. I mean, Nintendo's probably going to send it to me, so we're going to obviously cover it. I'm just not a fan of Smash Brothers. I wouldn't, if I had to buy it, I would not buy it. Uh, I think... Yeah, I'm not, like, a huge Smash Brothers fan, but, like, the, the definitive nature of it um, is appealing... Uh, the fact that there's an actual single-player kind of campaign-ish thing to do is appealing. Um, Castlevania being in it is good. Um, oh yeah, I'm I'm not against it. I bought. I mean, I mainly bought uh, the Wii U. Finally got the Wii U with Smash Brothers being in the bundle for Black Friday. That's right. Like, yeah, I, I forgot I do, about that. I do. I I enjoy it. I'm just like not hardcore about it. You know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it, but I respect people who do like it, and I obviously can see that this game is absolutely yeah. gigantic, and they're going to love it. I spent a fair amount of my time in the old 90s Usenet days arguing with people that this is a fighting game. 
Yeah. Back when people refused to call it a fighting game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people considered it like an action it was a, platformer. It was a, they called it a party game. Right. Whatever yeah. that. I mean, it is a party game in the sense that it's a good game for parties. But yeah. Like, it's a fighting game. It's always been a fighting game. Like, trying to say otherwise is ridiculous to me. Um, Some people have very rigid definitions of what things yeah. are or I mean, aren't. I mean, and I say that as someone who, like, doesn't like watching people play it and is eminently bored of it being part of EVO. Um, but it's a fighting game. Like, yeah, there's no, absolutely. There's no way around it. Yep. Uh, I mean, if by that definition, you would say all arena brawlers aren't fighting games. Yeah. But I think a lot of people look at fighting games as it's just one character versus one character yeah. on this well, the, very confined... Well, the big argument back in the day was that the life bar didn't matter. Right. But, like, it yeah. wasn't, you know, you had to knock somebody down to nothing, and when they get to nothing, the you game is over. Yeah. Um, you know, that, a fighting game, you run out of life bar, you're dead. The round is over. Whereas this is more fluid... Um, but you know, I think fighting games have have become a little more innovative and done different things over the years since then. And the idea that Smash is not a fighting game is a much more minority opinion at this point. Absolutely. Uh, final note before we move on: uh, one of the things they announced was Smash World, which is like a little mini social network for Smash Brothers. Smash World, where you can upload uh, gameplay videos and stuff like that. Sure. Cool. Never use it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the Miiverse. I never I used that the first day and never went back to it ever again. Wasn't there so. some kind of implication that this that sort of thing is going to be there's going to be something like that for every game as part of the service? Probably. Nintendo's probably the first thing that has something like that. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, they're going to debut their their new online program in a lot of ways with Smash Brothers. I mean, keep in mind mm -hmm. you're going to have to pay to play this online, folks. I know you've been playing Smash Brothers for free online all these years, but not anymore. The salad days are over. Yep, you're going to have to join Nintendo Online if you want to play it online. And I, you bet Nintendo better hope it's got... It's 20 bucks a year for these reindeer games. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo better make sure it's got itself in order. It's got its servers yeah. up in... Because, dude, there's going to be a deluge of people hitting those servers yeah, it's on gonna day be one. Yeah, there's going to be a flood. Like, Nintendo probably has never seen with an online game before. Probably, yeah. I mean, so it better be ready, and I'm assuming it, it is. It's not stupid. So, I don't know, Smash? I mean, again, I'm not a fan of Smash Brothers, but this Smash Brothers game looks freaking awesome. Like, if you're a fan, I would be geeking out right now about this game, counting the days for it to come out. So, looking good. Um, ultimately, I mean, maybe, maybe the game will prove me wrong. Maybe I'll, when I get it, I'll give it a go, and it'll change my mind, but probably not. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're really changing the formula too much. Yeah, yeah, which I wouldn't want them to because there's so many people that love it exactly the way it is, and I wouldn't want to take that away from them. So there you go. The last info on Smash Brothers before we uh, get the final code, and uh, we'll talk about it on the show then. Let's move on. We're going to talk very briefly about an indie game. We don't talk about indie games that much on Game Face. Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while, Matt and I will play one of them, and it'll kind of uh, spark something, and we'll want to talk about it. And Matt has been playing uh, an indie game a side-scrolling indie game called Planet Alpha this week. Which I thought came out this week, but I guess it came out in September. Yeah, it had come out September 4th for, yeah. I know, at least for PC and PS4. And you've been playing it on Xbox One, yeah. right? Yeah, well, I was po poking around a new game section, new releases section. It was in there. And uh, it looks, it looked, you know, if anyone has been listening to the show regularly, you know why I bought this. Because it has that weird, colorful, sort of French space opera comic weird otherworldly planet thing going on um it looks really interesting it's neat uh but it's um it was like it was in the new releases section and it, I, I think what happened was i thought it came out because i was looking at it on november 3rd at the evening of november 3rd and i thought it came out on the 4th which i thought was weird because that was a saturday right or, or maybe a sunday and what i think i did is i i saw nine four 
and uh, I thought it was because I a lot of times I've made this mistake my whole life. I think uh, October is eight because of oct, oct. because of octo. <laughs> That's funny. And so I continually it write probably down. Probably should oct- be the eighth. I month. continually write. It used to be. Oh really? Yeah. Is that true? That's why it's called October. I did not know that. I never September knew that. is seven. October is eight. November is nine. December See, the is stuff ten. Stuff you learn when you watch Game Face. Um, but everything shifted at some point. Interesting. Damn Gregorian calendar. <laughs> um, the Julian calendar was was different. But um, so a lot of times I will miss even when I got writing checks or whatever. I'll, I'll if it's October I will write eight wow. for the day. So I think I thought it was oh that comes out tomorrow. Right. So, but so it was just in the new releases because you know. Relatively speaking, it is kind of new. Yeah. It's only two, well, it's only it's two months old. It's got good reviews. It's it's Metacritic right now. It's like seven, almost yeah. seven to eight or something. So this game is basically uh, it's a side-scrolling platformer puzzle game. It's basically Inside on another planet. If you remember Inside, yeah, um, it is not as good as Inside. Um, it has that's a, lo- a pretty lofty goal to reach. Yeah, it though. has a lot more. It has like a lot of stealthy puzzle things and like. You know, climbing around, avoiding things that kill you in one shot. Um, I got, I'm about halfway through it. I uh, there's a couple times I'm just, I, I get killed a bunch of times by something that I'm trying to get past, and I just sort of go like, why? And I just sort of turn it off. Wait, is um, it why did you die, or is it why am I playing? Why this? am I playing this? Because <laughs> um, I'm kind of here to see this like amazing art direction, right? And like I find the actual puzzle gameplay sort of by turns annoying and boring. That's been a pretty common complaint um, of the game. But like the, the imagination on display. It is looks amazing. really cool. Yeah, like this section's really cool. Like where any other game. This section's really cool where you're in like this other area and it's like that, those blocks, like all the physics in that area are completely different than the rest of the game. And you're like leaping like hundreds of yards to like do all this. So it's it's a it's a visual tool tour de force that doesn't really do a whole lot new in the gameplay department. And you have no uh, like offensive ability. You have like you can't punch. You can't do anything but jump and climb. That's it. And like, so you're basically avoiding danger. Yeah. So you're like early on, you're just you're clearly some kind of space explorer, and you're running around, and you activate a thing, and a bunch of robot monsters with red eyes come down and start shooting, trying to shoot you, and you have to avoid them. It's it's kind of like No Man's Sky as a side scroller almost. Um, but you run through like some crazy biomes and like this hive full of alien monster insect things, and like they don't like the robots either. So you have to kind of manipulate the two of them to fight each other to, so you can get past stuff. Um, there's a there's a time control thing where like when you get on certain platforms, you hold the triggers and like the like the the day night cycle happens really fast and you have to use that to solve puzzles sometimes like it, you know in, in the daytime the foliage will spring up more so you can use that as cover to sneak around interesting and, like, stuff like that so there's some there's some things in there it's like some interesting ideas and some interesting ideas in terms of like the biomes and the and the design of the planet but nothing that you probably haven't seen before in various other games. Um, but I would say if you look at this and you think it like you're looking at this and being like, "Wow, that looks really neat," like you'll find something to like in it, especially if you liked Inside. Just don't think it was don't don't expect it to be as good as Inside, but it's pretty darn good. How I, much was it? It was fifteen. I think it's normally twenty. Do you know how? And so it, it's starting to go down in price now that it's been out. For it a was on sale. It was on sale, which I mistook for like a pre-order bonus. Ah, or something. I got you. Um, so I think it was. Just, I think it's just five bucks off right now. On, okay. On Xbox. Worth it. Yeah, I don't regret it. I just it's I get tired of that kind of like hold to the right until you get interrupted by an annoying puzzle that you then have to figure out, and then you're like, it's a lot of the puzzles in this like w- haven't been like a, like in inside you'd figure it out and be like, oh, well, okay, I, that's cool. I got this one's like, mm. oh really? <laughs> like, that's really? What you that was it? To do? Yeah. I hate that. 
<laughs> you want me to move that block to that block and then this block to okay yeah oh, cool i mean i'm only halfway through it so there might be better stuff coming up but how like, much have you how long have you played it so far like an hour and a half oh so not it's super, short. not super long i mean i'm i'm i mean the chapters i'm on chapter five of ten uh you know the chapters might get more time consuming as they get more difficult but like that's a tough sell three or four hours for 15 bucks it's longer than a movie that's a good point yeah for whatever reason the scale is different with games than yeah i don't know what film. that's about yeah. like it's like that, that, that little... the entertainment per dollar quotient is different for games yeah it's weird it's like i'll pay 17 bucks to see something like uh, opening night for, for 90 minutes actually twice that if i take someone with me yeah and like um i was like yeah it's like a 90 minute two hour movie cool yeah. it's like but if it's like a it's like a five hour game i'm just like i don't know that's not too much for ten dollars <laughs> you know? it's funny I don't know why it is. It's just a different perception, I guess. Absolutely. So, and it's on all platforms, right? Seems, yeah, just about everything. I think even Switch, yes, actually. Yes, it is on Switch. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. $15, Planet Alpha on all platforms. I think Matt. it's made by like one guy, too. It's, it's a very small... Really? One person made that? If, if, I, the, the, That's inter- the interview I found was like this one guy talking about like how he doesn't know how to do anything in terms of programming or something. <laughs> I don't know if he had other... He probably had other people helping with like other things, but like he seemed to be sort of the brain behind the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, some some ferner. I don't know. <laughs> I, I admit I was only paying half attention to sort of like, because I, I saw the video and I highlighted it on the next I'm like, oh, that looks cool. What is that? And I sort of looked it up and it was like, okay, it was like an indie game published by Team 17, made by a developer that's named after the game. So, you know, that's a small outfit when it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, when the it's developer called... is named like PA yeah, plus or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> Team Planet Alpha. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I would never do that if I had a studio. You don't name your studio against after your, your first game. You just don't do it. Yeah, ask the Battle Cry guys about that. Yeah, exactly. And then it never even came out. <laughs> well, they're like, now they're like Bethesda Studio Austin or right. something. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, let's move along. Uh, we're going to talk next about Rockstar Games. For the first time in three weeks, we're not actually, well, we are actually going to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, we're not going to talk about the game so much. We're going to talk about something that happened around the periphery of the game. Um, and this week it was revealed that, and you guys may remember this, um, way, way back, a website called Trusted Reviews broke a bunch of information about Red Dead Redemption 2. And because the site was so small and unknown, I think a lot of people just assumed it was bullcrap, not true. Mm. As it I, turned I only out, vaguely remember it. And as it turns out, everything was true because yeah. they got a legitimate leak. And apparently whoever leaked the information had leaked it to a number of websites, not to us, we never got it. But it leaked it to a number of websites, and only trusted reviews ended up actually running the information. Mm. So Rockstar sues Trusted Reviews' parent company, and uh, this week it was announced, ironically, right after the game came out, that uh, the website's parent company had settled with Rockstar for 1 million euros. And... Since since that announcement came out, people have been doing some digging and trying to figure out what happened. And as it turns out, trusted reviews, uh, basically, the way the laws are written in Europe, or maybe... They're in the UK. Yeah, they're in the UK, was that you have to prove that the information that you run wasn't obtained illegally. Hmm. So somebody sent the information to trusted reviews. Trusted reviews had no way to verify how that original source got the information. Mm. Whether it had hacked into Rockstar's servers or whatever, they had no idea where the information came from. 
or how that original source had, had got the information. And so since they couldn't prove that the information wasn't achieved in some illegal way, Rockstar was able to sue them, and then they settled out of court for one million euros. Now I will say that that settlement is all going to charity, which is great. So Rockstar's not making any kind of financial gain through the whole thing. Not that they'd notice if they did. Right, like a, to a million dollars to them is like, is like a round. It's like error. a penny to us or whatever. So, um, how do you feel about this, Matt? Do you feel like Rockstar took advantage of? the situation and that it has basically a bottomless pit of money for litigation. Well, I think they took advantage of the fact that laws are different there. Yeah. I that mean, would you, never that wouldn't happen here. here. Right. Like, there's no such thing as that here. Like, yeah. You can get sued for slander or libel here. If you report something that if isn't you report, true. Yeah, yeah, but like there's there's no... If you get the, the information, you can report the information in the U.S. Yeah. Um, UK has very different laws in, in regards to that. Um, so I think they saw the opportunity to do that, to, to make an example of somebody, and they took it. Um, Why which, would it do this, though? What is the... Because if there's one thing Take-Two and Rockstar want, it's absolute control over their own narrative when it comes to their products. And this is just, they want you to be scared of doing this to them again. So you're, you think it was this was done as a deterrent? To send I a think, message yeah. to journalists, don't you dare ever leave Do not early. step out of line, you work for us. That is my interpretation That's of this. That's pretty freaking scary. Yeah, well. It's, uh, to me, it would be in character. Yeah. I will say this, though. I have not heard from Rockstar about my Red Dead game eval. I really thought that I would get a nasty email because I didn't just acquiesce and say it's the greatest mm -hmm. thing since sliced bread. Obviously, they, they, I, seem, they seem to be relying on Twitter for that. Yeah. Obviously, I heaped tons <laughs> they don't of need to do that on, themselves. on the game in my game eval, but it wasn't a perfect 10. And no. if you're, if but you're it is you, interesting to note that if you put your personal, you know, the thing where you, if you look at what the score adjusted is for your personal taste, yeah. like... That's that score on that game like skyrockets for me. It goes up to like eight point three or something yeah. for me, which is like astronomical for a sifted review. And it actually went down for me because <laughs> yeah. of the connectivity of it. Because you like online stuff. No, because so. I'm a gameplay guy, mm. and and we gave yeah. the interaction like a four, I think, or a five. Yeah, four, I think. So yes, and I I care a lot about that, so, and my ratings reflect that, and so the score went way down for me. Um, and I have story like set pretty low in my game. Eval. I have stories. I have gameplay set high as well, but but I have uh, story set very high as well. And I think I think it bumps it bumps it up to higher than Witcher Three for me, which is not true. I don't like this game better than The Witcher Three. Yeah. But it is an interesting uh, metric to look at. Yeah. Um, I've had some games go up a lot for me in this Q4, but Red Dead was not one of them. It just doesn't. It's not in my wheelhouse for games that I typically like. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I totally think this is Rockstar trying to intimidate the press and saying, at least the press in Europe. Because this, as we said, this would have never flied in America. It would have never happened. But now you got to figure if you're running a website in the UK or somewhere in Europe and you get information on one of Rockstar's games, do you run it? No. Yeah, I guess not. Unless you, you, unless you can verify where it came from. Right. Yeah, unless, but how do you prove that? Because then you have to see, that's the other problem here, is that you have to out your source. Mm -hmm. Because you have to say where this information came from. And a lot of sources give you information on the condition of, on, of being anonymous. The fact that you're not going to divulge who they are mm -hmm. because there could be repercussions for that. Well, I guess you just hope you have a U.S. outlet. Yeah. But so I wonder how that works for... Like U.S. Gamer. So U.S. Gamer is owned by the same parent company as Eurogamer. Mm -hmm. 
And so what happens if U.S. Gamer runs information? The parent companies in Europe... That's a good question. How does that... The action took place in the U.S., so I would imagine that's the jurisdiction that would apply. Or did it? Was Usually, the information yes. sent from someone in Europe? Well, that doesn't necessarily matter. What matters is the action that was taken by the outlet. And if the outlet is based in the U.S., then U.S. law applies to it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is probably how mm. it would work. But it's messy. That it, doesn't mean that they couldn't put the fear of God into the European parent company. Oh, course. yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when stuff like this happens, what happens is the big boss man from the parent company comes down and has a little talk with trusted mm -hmm. reviews. You get an email, and it's, it's B in conference room D at noon, and you walk in, and there are people that you've never talked to in your entire life, and you don't know who they are, and it's Your probably boss's that, boss's boss. Yep, it's the CEO. It's probably the head of marketing who says Rockstar just said they're going to pull ads from us. Next thing you know, you're in this whole world of hurt, and your coverage is going to change. How you approach mm -hmm. doing things is going to change. At you're the not... same time, I know what trusted reviews is now. Oh, yeah, I mean, I had heard about it back when this story first broke. Like it was like a year ago. This happened. Yeah, but I, I, I vaguely remember that. Like it was like a list of features and what it was going to do. And they were all, they're all right. correct. Yeah, one hundred percent correct. Um, but now after this lawsuit, I'm going to remember trusted reviews. But <laughs> like, it's so, right. It's but it's so irrelevant now. Like I just. Well, legal stuff takes a long time. It does. Like, and I understand that it took a year for the them to negotiate the settlement and then issue the settlement and, all, and then put together their public statements. Right, and, and, and that becomes public record. So right, yeah. and I totally get all that. But Rockstar had to have realized, like, a month after that story broke, that really, like, what is the point of us doing this? The point is they want to control their own narrative on their products. Like, that is a very important thing. It's always been a very important thing to them. But and, is it worth the bad PR? Yeah, because no one's not going to buy a Rockstar game because of this. No one was not going to buy it because someone leaked that information. Yeah, that's, that's not what they care about. They want to be able to control the narrative about their product. That is the paramount thing to them. It's always been that. Like they, they, and they will go to the mat for it. Like they, you know, Obviously. So, yeah. yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Does it, is it necessary? I mean... It's it's kind of bullying in a, in exactly. a way. Exactly, it's strong like, arming. Yeah, but like, it's like we have a bottomless pit of money. We can pay our lawyers until the cows come home. So what are you gonna do? You're just gonna settle. Yep. And also, I mean, they probably have journalist insurance that deals with some of that. Um, you know, it happens more often than you might think. We didn't have that any places I've worked. Well, no, but like <laughs> if you go to an actual news outlet, there's a journalist, journalist, and if you're a parent company that owns a bunch of that stuff, like if something happened to G4, Comcast would have something like that in place. Interesting. But like, I don't know if Viacom ever had it. Viacom probably did. I mean, at the very least, they would have something to cover something like MTV News. It was never mentioned kind of to me. I know that. Well, I probably and we just, had lots. Probably, probably I, just means you you didn't get sued. Well, I had no. We did absolutely. I mean, we got sued. For Spike.com, like, big time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I dealt with a bunch of stuff at GT. Like, I would talk to legal every week. There was something that happened or we'd have to have a meeting about at least once a week. And they'd never mentioned that we had any kind of insurance to cut. They, all they said was, if this happens, you're going to be in trouble. Mm. That's all they would say. They wouldn't say, oh, we're yeah. covered, we're good. Well, that could go on. Either they didn't have it or they did have it, but they didn't want to let you know that there was that kind of Because then their family is going to run wild. Right. Like, oh, it's just insurance. <laughs> that's what it's for. What is it there for it's if we're not going to use money. it? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's it's not uncommon. I don't know if it's that common in the UK, but it is a thing here. But, like, you've got insurance for everything in the United States. Yeah. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, I think they don't have to worry about a whole lot more UK leaks for the next game. That's for sure. Or any game. Um, I'm sure they'd like to do that more often if they could. To, like that's you know the the First Amendment is kind of in their way on that one. Well, in America, they yeah. they can't do anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not going to stop leaks. People are still going to leak shit. Um, you, it makes you wonder who the person that leaked it and what happened to them. <laughs> like the, they might be dead. May, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm only kidding, kinda. Uh, I I don't know. I I think it's a bad look for Rockstar. I just can't understand why. It, it's not a big deal. It's really not. No, but it's uh, it's a big deal to them because their ethos is so centered around we control the vertical, we control the horizontal, and they know that it's not going to damage anything. Like they're you know they're, no one's going to boycott them because they did this. No one's going to say anything bad about them that's going to stick. Most people that make their games the multi-million sellers they are don't even know this happened and never will. Well, so. I think it, it knows its audience because what we've seen with Red Dead over the last few weeks people willing to go to the mat to say the game is perfect and not admit it has any flaws i think rockstar does understand that its audience is very dedicated and in a lot of cases will stand behind it even when it's wrong yeah it ain't gonna lose any game of the year award to this no i mean it shouldn't it shouldn't get them right so well but but it shouldn't lose any game when you're considering game of the year none of that stuff should matter it's just the game exactly how good or bad is the game like the you know there is no pr downside to this frankly well i i view them differently now yeah well are you gonna not buy their games you're gonna dislike their games you're gonna not talk about them anymore on the show like it's it's there's no consequence no consequence and they and they get and they you know the the worst thing that, that the worst look from it in general, would be that they took a million dollars from this, and but oh, they turned it over to charity to kind of make it look like it, they did some kind of something altruistic, <laughs> right. which is a I mean, it's a brilliant swerve. Like it's yeah. it's really well played. No but, one ever um, said Rockstar isn't smart <laughs> or Take Two. For and that now matter. they put the fear of God into a whole lot of outlets, and that's going to take care of a lot of European like because the European a lot of the leaks and stuff like that like when they come, turn out to be right do come from Europe. They do absolutely. I also wonder if enough stuff like this happens, if eventually someone's going to start looking into changing that freaking law. Mm-hmm. It, it boggles my mind that there's a law like that. That is a pretty... In- I would be interested to know the origin of that law. It's probably some weird Victorian thing. That's scary to me, man. I mean, you're basically, like, muzzling the press. I mean, you're... It, well, to me, I mean, I have zero insight on on this because I haven't researched that law at all, but my guess would be that it comes from some weird thing where you didn't want... You didn't want the press reporting on like the aristocracy or the royal family in a way that couldn't be traced back to who betrayed them. I wonder too if you had information on say like a terrorist attack and you get that information illegally, will you get prosecuted? Well, and that's What if you, you hack somebody, well, and that's find you, out they're planning a bombing and report them? Do you get prosecuted for that? If you report it in the press, probably. Cause that's in that, crazy. Because in that situation, you're supposed to report it to the authorities, not the paper. That's that's the procedure there. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, maybe something like this. It's not. This is not going to change anything. But if, no. if enough stuff like this happens, maybe eventually that law will get changed, and the journalists there will get a little more protection. I have a feeling that law has been on the books for a very long time. Yeah, I have I'm, a feeling I'm too. Not, like I think, centuries. And the people it benefits probably wanted to stay there. Yep. Including the multi-million dollar corporation that just threw a million dollars at charity as a result of it. You're right. And I wouldn't, you're, I wouldn't be surprised if it has something to do with the royal family. 
where somebody found out some information about the royal family, and they're like, well, we're changing that law. Or some law. kind of nobility back in the day, something like that. It's, it's, that's what it sounds like to me. Yep. It sounds like... It's possible. It, Maybe somebody knows more than us. Either so. that or when in the rise of the Industrial Revolution, when like all these companies like were starting to get you know exposed on like horrible things, and like, yeah. they're like you put, you know, we don't want Upton Sinclair's The Jungle to happen to us, so let's put something in that tells you where that where you have to you have to say where you got it, and that means everybody will be afraid. Because if it's information that is helpful and could save lives, does it matter how you got that information? Well, I don't. We don't know about the legal precedent in terms of how that law has been used in cases like right. that. All we know about is this case in which it was used to report on information about a video game. Right. So. Yeah. Which is frivolous. That may, in fact, be a different situation if you're talking about a life-saving incident. But no one's lives were saved by by leaking Red Dead 2 information. No. Nothing. It didn't hurt anything. It didn't hurt the sales of the game. It didn't hurt the hype for the game. Should have leaked some Diablo 4 information. Yeah. All it did was hurt a a small website. That's really all that it comes down to. Um, It got a short-term gain, and over the long term, it definitely probably regrets now Mm -hmm. reporting that stuff. And the statements that the website put out, you can tell that, like, someone had a gun to the editor's head when they wrote it. Like, (laughs) it was just the the language. A million-dollar gun, million-euro gun. Pretty much, yeah. So, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Rockstar being Rockstar, ultimately, or Take-Two being Take-Two, ultimately. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about the Nintendo Switch. So... Pactor was on Pactor Factor and said that uh, the Switch was not tracking to hit Nintendo's 20 million goal. Mm-hmm. And people flipped out on him. All the Nintendo fan sites ran stories about him saying how he's crazy, didn't know what he's talking about. Um, people went into the comments on our YouTube channel and went off on Pactor, said he didn't know what he's talking about. Uh, but he did know what he was talking about. Because it was revealed... And this, so did I. Yeah, and we all did. Yeah. And it was revealed this week that the first quarter of this fiscal year, Nintendo only sold 1.8 million Switch consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I understand it at this point, they're up to around 5.4 million. I find that very hard to believe. You're basically saying that it... Well, I guess it, it, well, I guess it does make sense. Because that period was April... First to June thirtieth. Yeah, now so we're talking yeah. about July to October. Like, yeah, I guess that does kind of it double was what it would. It, yeah. it makes sense. So let's assume that that's right and that there are five million yeah. now. Yeah, and they have to sell fifteen million more by March. Yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah, probably. I like I think there's people. I mean, I know people think oh Smash Bros. Ninety percent of the people gonna buy Smash Brothers already have a Switch. Well, like, what what happened with Pactor was he said. It's tracking to sell eight million, mm-hmm. and the people were like, "Oh, you're saying it's only going to sell eight million in this year?" It's like, no. He's looking at what it's sold so far, and then he's multiplying that by three or four, or however, mm-hmm. however much data four he has. Maybe one quarter, multiplying right. by three. Right, and they couldn't understand more. that. They're like, "No, you think it's only going to sell eight million? No, he's saying right now it's tracking for eight million. Mm-hmm. Like, they just could not There'll probably be, like, a, a boost it. in the holiday season. That's usually pretty pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, and Nintendo pu- hardware sells better yeah. at the holidays. And I, don't, I mean, I don't think Smash Brothers is going to make much of a difference because it's, it's selling to the fan base that already owns this system. Uh, I think Pokemon will probably make more of a bump. Uh, is it going to make a 15 million unit bump? No. Um, 
it'll, it'll probably it'll probably crawl its way across 10 or 11 million by March. Um, but it is like the idea that the Switch is some kind of infinite growth machine along the lines of the early Wii uh, was always wrong. And I said at the beginning of this year, I you know, Switch it was like one of our first shows. You said like Switch sales is it going to sell this or that? And I said it's going to slow down. It's going to it's going to it's not going to tank, but it's going to slow down because there's nothing coming out this year in terms of driving sales the way a Mario game or a Zelda game does. Yeah, and so so far this year, these are the games that we've got. Um, <laughs> Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, yeah. port of a Wii U game. Uh, Mario Tennis Aces, which was pretty Did good. Did pretty well. Yeah. Kirby Star Allies. Also doing pretty well. Kirby's doing okay. Yeah, it's doing like two million, so wow. it's doing all I'm right. shocked to hear that. And Super Mario Party. Also doing quite well. That is 2018 for Switch so far. Yep. Exclusive games. Not tops. Uh, one's a port. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not an exciting lineup if you don't own the system already. I, I don't think it's an exciting lineup, period. Well, I would agree, but like, there's people that disagree that are just all they want to play is Nintendo stuff. I get it. But like, uh, if, you don't, if you haven't already been convinced to jump in on a Switch, none of those games are going to do it. I don't, I don't think those games move the needle. Yeah, um, I don't either. So. And so here we are. Where is this headed, Matt? Headed to 2019 when hopefully they got better games coming out. No, I'm, I, obviously. <laughs> but, I mean, where is this headed over the long term for Switch? Because it's starting to look to me like another, just another Nintendo console. Yeah. That sells to its fans at, out of the gate. This time it just seemed like the fans just bought it a lot more quickly. Well, there's, I mean, it's doing better. It's outsold Wii U already. It's outsold the Wii U handily. It's about to outsell the GameCube if it hasn't already. Um, now, remember, the GameCube was considered a, a disaster at the time. Um, I mean, in the wake of what people expected from Nintendo. Um, I mean, it's not a, 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 a flaming wreck the way the Wii U was. It's, it's fine. It's doing fine. But, like, I think the momentum of the system early on convinced some people, the true believers to some degree, that, like, this was the next Wii. That it was going to dominate this generation as a, as a late, in, late entry, basically. And, like, the PlayStation 4 better watch out. And That's all over now. I always thought that was ridiculous anyway. But because, because all you had to do was look to 2018 and be like, what's coming out? Nothing. Like, there's nothing there to entice new owners to jump in. And, you know, I mean, Smash Brothers is probably the highest profile release they got. And Smash Brothers is a giant love letter to the fans that already bought the new system. Like, if you're a Nintendo fan to the degree that the Smash Brothers excites you, you've almost certainly already bought this system because you, how would you miss that Mario game? How would you miss that Zelda game? Like, come on. Like, no, you're right. And like, how would you miss playing all these other games on, you know, portable Nintendo's better system than the Wii U? I mean, it's, it's, it's you're, the, you're in already. Like, what, what they need are games that people that don't have Switches look at and be like, I have to play that. And I know they're hoping Pokemon Let's Go is going to be that. I don't think it will to the degree that they need it to be. Uh, the actual new Pokemon game next year could be that. Yeah. Like, you know, like the first full-fledged console, quote-unquote, because it's also handheld, I get it. Um, the, the first <coughs> full-fledged Pokemon game, the new generation Pokemon game next year, that could, that could be a big deal. Um, Metroid Prime, if it makes it next year, that could be a, a moderate That'll deal. never move hardware. Won't move hardware, probably, but, like, you never know. Um... It wouldn't get me to buy it if I didn't have it already. But I'm weird. I, to, I, to like, me, I, I think, like Metroid. Yeah, I love Metroid too. But I, I think to me, the really the last game that's going to move hardware is that mainline Pokemon game. Yeah, well, it depends. I, I think we might see 
a, a quick and dirty Zelda sequel next year. Well, there was like, a report like a, today like a Majora's that Mask Nintendo is hiring for the new Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that would indicate that they're ramping up to get some. Because I feel like the scenario is all just done. Take the assets, take the thing, get it all. I mean, all you need to do is basically rearrange the map a little bit, throw six dungeons in there, and call it a day. Like, like I think probably twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. We'll get the next Zelda. Maybe. I mean, I I would not be super shocked to see it next year or first quarter twenty. I would because it's Nintendo. Yeah, but Nintendo got they got to move, man. Like, I mean, I, I mean, you're already seeing sort of this thing where it's like, clearly their next big Mario release is the is the Super Mario 3D World remaster. You know, it's it's which again, great game, not old, really, not yeah. probably gonna play. Not a hardware movie. Didn't move the Wii U. You'll make more money off the people who already own it, right? Um, which is a big part of the. So, so on one hand, I, I wouldn't be you know wouldn't be super shocked to see a you know a, a quick turnaround Zelda follow up. More realistic, you're probably going to see Switch versions of Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD. Yeah, which I will also get. I mean, yeah, sure. Like I, I I'm I'm into that too. Um, you should move everything worthwhile or exclusive to the Wii U and move it forward to the Switch. Everything should come forward, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. How do you think this? I mean, these are bad. That's bad sales. Yeah. Like 1.8 million in three months, uh, 15 months after the thing launched. That's really bad. Yeah. Well, How... it, was a, it was a very dead quarter. I like mean, that this whole, is... like whole quarter was, there was nothing to look at. I mean, at this is the, the consequence of sort of blowing your load right out of the gate. Right. And it's also... But they were rewarded for that by right. all the sales initially. Well, it's also further evident, you know, as, you know in the meanwhile, meantime, all these indie games are selling like crazy. Like, you know, they're doing really well. They're making, you know, multi-million. You know, there's 20, I think, 20 plus million sellers on the Switch at this point. So people are, who own the Switch are buying the software. Um, the people who own the Switch are like, are clearly doing something uh, that they didn't do on the Wii U, which is like they're buying software regular for this thing. And they're buying the indie games in droves. Some of the indie game developers are saying, like, the first day on the Switch is the best day they've ever had on these games, even if they're years old. So there's a market there. The people that own the system are buying software, which is a good sign. Because Nintendo's had that problem in the past where, like, you know, especially on the, the Wii, no matter how popular you think the Wii was, none of the top sellers on that system sold in the numbers and attach rates that you should be expecting from a hundred million selling system. Except Mario Kart. Except Mario Kart. Mario yep. Kart is, you know, the, I saw a comparison of I a mean, bunch of sales. I mean, that is Nintendo's biggest franchise. Yeah. Mario Kart is Nintendo's I saw a bunch of comparisons franchise. of sales of, like, you know, the Switch copy versions of these things are all catching up to the sales of... The other installments of them, except Mario Kart. Like Mario yep. Kart, like is we the Wii version of Mario Kart is so far out in front. I don't know if you're ever going to top that. It's one of the best selling games ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I don't think the system is like underperforming in terms of how much is out there and how the people who own it are buying software, which is uh, you know the other half of that coin. But there's just nothing there to convince someone who hasn't already jumped in in that first year with Mario and Zelda. And that Mario they need, Kart. That they if need they didn't to own jump in system. when there was Mario, yeah. Zelda, and Mario Kart. What more do you need if you're gonna if you're ever gonna buy a Nintendo console? The only the only X factor would be the brand new Pokemon game is on the Switch, and you have to buy the Switch to That's play it. That's it. I don't know, Matt. I, you know, I was, I was hard on Switch before it came out. I didn't think it was gonna be successful, um, and then I ate crow and admitted it on the show many times. I was wrong. I was surprised I was wrong. Now I'm starting to think maybe I wasn't so wrong. I don't think you were. So, I mean, it wasn't going to be a bomb. I never thought I, it would be a bomb. I think what ultimately happened is that the total possible audience just bought it all right at, out of the gate. Yeah. 
And now we're the Wii U starting was a, to the Wii U see... was a slower burn because it was a harder harder sell. Yeah, because it didn't have Mario Even to fans. Yeah, because it didn't have Mario, Zelda, and Mario Kart right in that first right. year. Indeed, it never had Zelda until yeah, it was too late. Exactly. And so this console's front loaded. You get all the people who would ever even consider buying a Nintendo console to buy it in the first 15 months, and now plus a little extra. I yeah, mean, we saw about 10, 10, 12 million for the Wii U. Means like there's about 12 million people out there that'll buy anything Nintendo puts out. Right. So, yeah, you got all those, like, yeah. in the first, like, 12 months. All those people bought it. It took the Wii three years to get that many people. All those people mm-hmm. bought Switch right away. Yeah, the true believers were in immediately. And rightfully so. It was a great first year for the console. But it's starting to look like the same old song and dance Start, all over starting again. Starting to look a lot man. like GameCube. It is. It's like, so, so what I was getting at before you started talking about some other stuff is, what do the third parties think right now? Well, we know what EA thinks. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, pretty much nope. I think, uh, you know, Ubisoft, I think, will continue to support, because uh, they always do. Um, I, they've, they've figured out whatever the, the magic equation is for, like, we spend this much, it sells this much, we make this much on Nintendo stuff. Uh, and they have a good relationship with Nintendo. Uh, clearly, there's, there's potential there for, for games that may not be... Uh, viable in other places. I think I saw, I don't know if, if it's changed, but in the first week, I think 82% of Starlink sales were the Switch version. Um, well, you know, you have the Star Fox crossover. Right. I mean, yeah, but that counts. It does, I mean, absolutely. And uh, I was just at Target, and the Starlink stuff is already on sale. So, uh, you know, clearly there's a market there for some things that uh, maybe doesn't translate to the other systems. You could see Ubisoft try to capitalize that. You know, if there's a Starlink 2... I bet you it's Nintendo exclusive. There will never be a Starlink 2. If that stuff's already on sale, well, Ubi- I think, Ubisoft already regrets making that game. I, th- I think you, I don't know about that. I think it's well-received enough that you could see a Starlink 2 that just doesn't have any toys. If they couldn't hold on until after Black Friday to discount that stuff, well, it's like that a, is it's like bad. A, if you, it's a buy the starter set and get like the one of the the ships or whatever half price or something uh, like okay, that. Okay, there's not that. It's not like a clearance thing. Right. But right. they're already discounting it to to, in, to get they're it to incentivizing move. it over. Well, they've got the holidays coming up. They have all this other stuff they yeah. need to make shelf space yeah, for. But us. I I wouldn't be I, I could see if if a Starlink 2 were to happen, I think it would be on a Nintendo system only and it wouldn't be Honestly, toys. Honestly, I think Nintendo will just have Ubisoft make a Star Fox game. That is also a good idea. Um, certainly it was a better Star Fox game than anything they've made Absolutely. for Star Fox since probably N64. <laughs> better than any Nintendo Star Fox game since the N64. But, uh, I mean, you see EA basically will put out FIFA and... That's about it. Take care, you know? It's like... I'm just wondering, I mean, there ha- it has Part of that had... is EA's refusal to leverage its back catalog. Yeah. Like, EA, you know, if EA did the thing everybody else was doing, where we're just going to put our three-year-old game on this thing... Like... I'd, I'd play Boom Blocks for Twitch. Sure. Um, I absolutely would. Or like Mass Effect Trilogy. Yeah. Like just like a port of the old last game. But see, they, they game. did that with the Wii U and like it sold Well, they horribly. put Mass Effect 3 on it. Right, that's right. The, that's the problem is like you're not going to buy Mass Effect 3 for a system you don't have 1 and 2 on. Like yeah. jumping in on that random, it, bleh, come on. Like it, gotta that do was, what you gotta do. That was all dumb. That was all the, the Batman Arkham City Armored Edition didn't work either. All know? that stuff, yeah, at launch, and that um, was all the third-party support the console yeah, ever pretty got. Pretty much it. And we're start it's, we're starting to see that again. All the indie stuff's going to Switch. Still, when a game is announced, it's either PC only or PC and Switch now. Like mm-hmm. you're seeing PC and Switch way more 
that it's kind of taken the place of what used to be PC and PS4. So the yep. indies are all over it. You're and gonna... part of that is because like the PS4 doesn't need to lean on that anymore. Right. Like you, I think you see that you see that shift a little bit when you get to the PS5 because you're going to start seeing you know, that's what happens. These public, you know, the, the big console manufacturers look for the indies when they ha- need to fill their lineups out, and the Switch needs it, and the PS4 doesn't need it as much now. But early on in the PS4's life, it was the go-to indie place because it was the place where they need we, they needed stuff in between all those big releases that were more few and far between than they are now. And it's not a surprise that indie games are selling better on Switch because people who own a Switch don't have that much to play. Yeah. Think about all the games that we've been playing. I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I played for like 100 hours. I played Red Dead Redemption 2 for like 60 hours. I... I'll say this, I was very happy to finish Red Dead. I was like, oh my god, thank heavens, this is the last 80-hour-plus game I have to play this year. But all these games that we've been playing, Nintendo fans haven't got any of this stuff. While we've been, like, playing these awesome, like, 9.5 out of 10 games for, like, 100 hours, there's been nothing on the Switch. And with the way the console sales are going right now, if things don't go well this holiday season... Third-party support might just be gone again as far as big-budget third-party stuff. I think mm-hmm. indies are going to continue to do well on Switch, but the big-budget AAA yeah, stuff, yeah, people you, call it, like... If you want... If you care at all about the AAA stuff, like, you can't go sole console Nintendo. There's, I mean, people that were... You know, even with the streaming option, like, we haven't seen any movement on that at this point. It's not viable yet. It might be at some point. I mean, clearly, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which you mentioned, like, you can play that on the Switch in Japan, Japan. if you want yeah, to. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's simpler to just have a PS4, you know, especially because you get other exclusives. You know, that's the thing that's like... But if you're a Nintendo fan, that's not an option. That's just not... Well, of course, it's an option. It's just not something, I guess, you do because you'd hate good games. But, like, uh, I, I, there's nothing you could do that would convince me that missing out on God of War and Spider-Man is a, is a good good deal. Nope. Um... But, like, I also wouldn't want to miss out on Mario and Zelda. So, yep. you know, it's not a sl- That's single why console. I always say, Nintendo sacrifice is ne- a couple mediocre third-party games and buy the consoles. Nintendo has never been, hasn't been a primary console for me since the 16-bit days. I mean, yeah. it's just not... N64 was the last time a Nintendo console was the one I played the most. Yeah, um... I don't know. I, I guess I did, probably did play the N64 the most just in the sense of multiplayer. You add up all the Mario Kart yeah, and add up all the multiplayer and yeah. Perfect it, Dark. In and... terms of like solo game time, I probably played the PlayStation more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but the, overall, hours the, spent, I spent way more time on the my GameCube N64. was almost viable. And it, it got you know, the, the small disc size had, was a problem, but they did get a fair number of the multi-platform things. It was the harbinger, though. It was, yeah. this is the way it's going to be for maybe ever. Yeah. When you saw the third parties just run away. Yeah. I think at some point, Nintendo really needs to sit down and think about whether they should catch up hardware-wise. Yeah. Because um, that would solve their third-party problem in in short order. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so and easy then to you really And then you really can't... You really do have parity, and you can decide... You know, when it comes down to it, which exclusives do you care about the most? And that'll be your system. And because even the GameCube... I think Game a lot of Cube, people are going to pick Zelda and Mario and right. Pokemon. Like, it's, it's not a yeah. hard choice for most people. Because even with the GameCube, you had discs. But they held, like, a quarter of the data mm-hmm. of a normal DVD. Like, it has always been hamstrung by either yeah. and you the had media or power. Or both. Or both. And you had, uh, I mean, you had, like, Factor Five. 
in the GameCube era, figuring out ways to use this super compressed audio to make it sound good Music. through ProLogic yep. and all. I mean, they, uh, they, you know, they were working those miracles back on the N64 even. Same with Angel Studios, which figured out yeah. that, that codec that let you play the Resident Evil 2 videos right. on the cartridge. Yeah. Um, for 20 years, 20 plus years, you've had these, you know, Nintendo's been relying on people to figure out magic to make their, to make their game, their <laughs> systems work on par with the competition. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, and the, and the, the Switch looked like it might have been the new zeitgeist early on, but I, I was always skeptical that it could maintain the momentum because I always said, let it sell what the Wii U sold because that's, that's your fanatic, you know, fan base. Yeah. And can't After go that, beyond that. And yeah. it has dropped off a cliff. So it's sitting at five million now. Around five million for the fiscal year, yeah. What's your prediction for the end of fiscal year, with knowing that their target was twenty million? Where do you think they're going to get to? I think they're going to they're going to land somewhere in like the eleven million, eleven, twelve million. I think they'll. I think it's going to be a good holiday season for them, but I don't think the, I don't think you can. I don't think it's going to be a 15 million unit good holiday season. No, I think a good holiday season at this point for Nintendo will be selling three or four million. Yeah. I mean, and, like, and, and, you know, add more three more months to the end of March, and I think they could probably get to 10, 10 11, 12 in there. I'm thinking 10 is going to be... I think, I think in the 11s. I think the 11 million something range is, is my guess. And then what happens from there? I, I'd have to see the schedule. Because then the third parties are like, what's going on here? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, to, to be... Honest. I mean, look, Xbox One has sold what around thirty-five or forty million lifetime. Something like that. The, the Switch is about to pass the Xbox One. Yeah, I know that. Like by the end of the year, the Switch will definitely have outsold the Xbox One. So if third parties are still making games for Xbox One, maybe Nintendo but the problem isn't with, as doomed as. Well, but the problem is that the Xbox One is really easy to make the game for because if you've made it for the PC or yeah. the PS4, it's already there, and yeah. it's more powerful, so you don't even really have to optimize it that hard. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a totally different ball game there. You lose nothing, whereas like for the Switch, you'd have to basically, you know, that people have you know you, have have, you build your own game for it. For you, it. you have to yeah. do a ver- it's like the Wii. You had to do a version for that. You had yeah. to do a, a, put a team on making it fit on the Switch, make yeah, it fit on that stupid people cartridge. People working with motion controls they Pain, normally don't work with motion. Paying controls. the extra money to Nintendo because of the cost of the cartridge. The cards, yeah. Your yeah. your Switch version may cost an extra ten bucks more yeah. than. And the that, other versions. And then you won't make as much because you had to put more money into this because of the storage media. Yeah. There's just, there's not a lot of upside to That's it. That's my point. I don't think there is a lot of upside for Switch at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it did. Not if you're a third-party publisher, yeah, for sure. absolutely not. It's just going to, I think, as you see next year, it's going to basically become the usual Nintendo thing where... It, it's just the system where you have and you wait for... You know, I think the, the, the indie, indie game help. thing is, is important. The indie game <laughs> yeah. gives them some continuity between big releases. But for me, I've played all of those on other platforms already. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just going to be the same Nintendo system where I wait for the big quarterly Nintendo release and play that. And that's what Nintendo Switch... systems have been for like 20 yeah. years to me. It's, it's not like I'm disappointed by that. It's, it's what I expected. But it's, all, it's better than how it has been in the past. If you're a Nintendo fan, I mean... Having all those indies there to yeah. have something to play while you wait for the next big. Well, I mean, it's not like the Wii U where it was just like a desert. Nothing, right? Of nothing for months. Where you're months like, thank God I months. have my 3DS. Yeah. You're sitting there like trying to convince yourself the Devil's Third is worth buying. I mean, it's just yeah. it, it was a it was a dark. It, the Switch is not a bad time. The Switch is, 
you know, you look at that the 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 online store for the Switch, and it's just I mean, it's full of a lot of shovelware, but it's like it's it's stuff it's, there it's every full. day. It's all full. It's, it's yeah, full. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not like the Wii U where you'd look at the store like two months later and like the same things were on the on the the front r- page. new releases yeah. list on the screen. You know, it's like yeah. It's a very different world for this for a Switch owner. I, I feel like if you if you're a Wii U owner, like a couple years in, you're just like, oh my god, what have I done? Why did I spend my money on this? There's nothing to play. Whereas with the Switch, you have a bunch of stuff to play because even if a lot of it's old ports, you know, I even know a bunch of people that have a Switch and buy games they already own on PC or PS4, the indie stuff, because they're like, oh, I'd like a portable version, which is crazy to me, but yeah. like, it's like, clearly it's important to enough people. You know, what is it, eighty something people percent of people who own a Switch use it portably? So like that's an no, important feature. No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. I thought it was pretty. It was but pretty it, it crazy. But it's high. way more than I thought. I'll say that much. So if everything plays out the way we think, I'm saying it'll hit ten. They'll sell ten million this fiscal year. You're saying a little more. What is the ultimate sort of outcome from that? Do third parties just completely bail? Pretty much. Except Ubisoft. I think Ubisoft will stick around because yeah. they, they have that relationship. What about Bethesda? Bethesda's been very dedicated to Switch. I think Bethesda's had a good deal going with Switch. I think yeah. there's money changing hands there. Right. And uh, the, I think Offsetting the losses. Yeah, and I think they already said that the next Wolfenstein will be on Switch. Um, I don't think Elder Scrolls Six will be on nope. Switch. But, uh, <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, but what we're, based upon what we're about to talk about, I don't know. <laughs> 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 so that segues nicely into our last topic of the show, and that is Fallout 76. And we talked about this, what was it, a month ago? A few weeks ago, like three yeah, weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Uh, but we had not played it. We were just basing everything on the media that Bethesda had put out and uh, reports from others who had played it. But that all changed this week. I have been playing the Fallout 76 beta. Um, and I've been playing it on Xbox One. And before you look at this B-roll, I want to let you know this is from base Xbox One. It's not an Xbox One X. But all OG footage, bone. All this footage is coming from X, the Xbox One version. And I, the reason I'm telling you that is because this game looks absolutely terrible. <laughs> terrible. This is one of the worst looking video games I have played in I don't know how long. And I'm talking about like indie games. Comparing it to indie 3D games, this game does not look good. However, everyone's pretty down on this game. And everyone's hating on it, and the Fallout fans are rebelling. They're even looking down while playing it. Literally, Because because you run faster when you look at the ground. Apparently, if you look at the ground, you run faster in this game. I did not discover that, but apparently that's the case. The physics are tied to the frame rate, apparently. That's so bizarre. I did not notice that while I was playing It's a quirk of the engine. Everyone's hating on this game, but I have to say, I actually enjoyed my time playing this game, Matt. Okay. Like a, like <laughs> a good bit. Mm. Like I had fun playing this game. Um, I would have thought someone who is like so into and picky about shooters as you are would have had problems with this. Uh, I mean, the shooting works fine. Like compared how compared to like Fallout Four because I thought Fallout Four shooting was awful. It's the same. Okay. But I honestly I don't even really use the shooting controls in this. I just use bats constantly. Like just like was that just like the auto aim kind of thing, right? Because it doesn't slow stuff down anymore. No, they they, they slow down. Really? Yeah. Like you'll see in the B roll at the end. How does that work in multi- with like bats. multiple people? They the enemies still move, but they move really slow. They don't stop completely, but they just like slow down to like a crawl. So what do you see it's if someone else to... is using vats? 
I don't know. Hmm. I I don't think you see anything on the enemy. I think you only see the vats, your vats, on the enemy. Yeah, but if you're slowing down the enemy, doesn't that have to impact what the other players see because they're seeing the same enemy? I guess. But I mean, I've, I've, like there is footage in this B-roll of me using vats because an enemy was attacking some other player. I turned on vats to get the enemy off of him, and it worked. Like, I turned on vats, shot him in the head, he dropped. Um, so I don't know what that other player saw. That's a good question, though. That's a really good question. I have no idea what the other player saw. Um, but so a lot of people are saying, like, this isn't Fallout. It's not... Uh, it's not going to be fun for people who want to play single player. I had the exact opposite experience playing the beta. So you start out, you're in in the bunker. You go through all the setup stuff. You get introduced to the Pip-Boy. You customize your character. You can take the photo for your ID, which you're seeing right here. And then you leave the vault. And from the moment I left the vault, and I played it for... The way they're doing this is there's literally two-hour sessions per day. There's a mm. window of two hours that you have to play it in. And, and also at the end of this footage, you'll see I played it right until they cut me off. So they'll tell you how long it's going to be, and then you get a little message on your screen saying servers are going to be shut down in 10 minutes. So they'll give you 10 minutes after whatever time they say they're going to shut down the servers. So you have two-hour windows, and I played it for two days for those two-hour windows. So I played it for about four hours. Um, and what I found is it very much plays like a normal Fallout game. Uh, you come out of the vault. Now, one thing to keep in mind is for your first five levels, no one can attack you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're basically off limits as you kind of find your foot in, footing and figure out how the game works. Um, so you didn't have to worry about PvP right out of the gate. But you come out of the vault and you talk to your little robot buddy and he gives you your first quest and it just, it just plays like a Fallout game. And... For the first four levels, when no one could mess with me, I'd see people running around a little bit here and there, but I didn't interact with them much. And then I hit level five. And I don't know if, like, when that happens, if not only is PvP opened up, but it also opens up maybe more online players to your game. But once I hit level five, I started seeing people everywhere. And nobody ever attacked me. I never got in a PvP battle. And there were people there that were, like, crazy high levels compared to me. Yeah, but they can't hurt, hurt you. So. Well, they can, but it's nerfed. It, it's just tremendously nerfed unless you fight back. Right. So most people just don't bother. Yeah. So I had no problems with people just randomly... I guess randomly... the system working as intended. Right. So I had no problem with people attacking me or high-level people with crazy weapons taking me out with one shot or whatever. Um, what I found was once I hit level 5 and some of the better missions started opening up, people started helping me. Like, I would be in a mission and random people would just show up and start helping me kill enemies. Um, I stumbled across tons of missions where people were in the middle and they're getting overwhelmed by the enemies and I would just jump in and help them. Um, I don't know. Like, I... Sounds like Destiny. It is. It absolutely is de Destiny. That is the best way to put it. Um, but you can play this by yourself the whole time. I mean, people can come in and help you. You can't keep them from doing that. But you can just choose to play this by yourself and just keep going through quests and the quests are just as good and interesting as they were in Fallout 4. Um, I don't know why there's so much anger around this game. Well, if the shooting's like Fallout 4, I can understand why people don't want to play an action version of it. But it's not. I mean, it's. I mean, the controls are the same, but it's not like an action shooter. Like, the enemies aren't crazy fast. They're all kind of slow and deliberate. 
they're not like sprinting around like trying to flank you and and like shoot you in the head or or whatever like it's a kind of a laid back game if that makes any sense like i don't know i didn't feel like the shooter controls ever got me killed or kept me from enjoying the game and again like i said i just kept using vats like over and over mm. again because vats do way more damage uh in the early parts of this game like you're really doing like chip damage to some of the enemies with your guns because you have like these guns that are made out of like two sticks and a rubber band or whatever like you don't and then you get like your first like a uh, nine millimeter handgun or whatever and it takes like 80 bullets to take down an enemy if you just use it normally and don't use vats so I was just, anytime I get in a pickle, I just turn on vats and literally in like a bullet or two, you drop like most enemies. But everything else is the authentic Fallout experience. I mean, the way you get missions, what you use your Pip-Boy for. Well, you get missions in Fallout from NPCs, not from like wandering around and suddenly discovering them. Like without the NPCs and kind of a more story-driven element to it, I feel like you're missing a key part of the Fallout experience that at least makes me interested in Fallout. I thought that was one of the weaknesses of Fallout 4 was I didn't find any of the NPCs particularly interesting outside of uh, Valentine. Those were great, though. Those were like oh next, yeah, those, those were like the, next level. Though. Those were by far the best things in that game. <laughs> there, uh, there were some of the best NPCs in games. Period. I thought that section of the game. I don't know. I didn't miss it, man. Like I thought a lot of those missions and stuff were <laughs> were like rough frivolous what was rough just it was a frame rate was rough there oh yeah the, the frame so when i first started playing it seemed to run like greased lightning i was like oh wow okay it's ugly is sin but boy does it run like a beast and then after like a couple hours i started getting to points where you crest a hill and mm -hmm. it just <laughs> just drops to like 15 frames a second now keep in mind this is a beta this is very, uh, granted very close to final release yeah i'm sure a lot of sh things will change in a week yeah uh, probably yeah. not but also look, it's you're on the I xbox give them the one benefit of the doubt. and i am on xbox one base yeah so keep all that in mind um but honestly i didn't even miss all those elements matt to me the the fluid way the game plays with people jumping in and joining to help or me being able to find other people it kind of sanded down that rough edge that I had because it wasn't quite as story driven and maybe you know again I've played it for five or six hours so maybe mm. when you get to the 20 or 30 hour mark you're like oh, I'm sick of this and I wish there was a more structured rigid like uh, story to it but based upon what I played I didn't really miss it I thought the missions were just as interesting as they were in most Fallout games and again I like the fluidity of it the the uh the unexpected element of it where you don't know. I mean, you just don't know how hard something's going to be because you could start a fight and you're going to fight it all on your own. Or next thing you know, four dudes just roll up and just start clearing house for you. Like one of the missions was a, was basically a horde mode. So you're in this big building and there's three terminals in the building and the enemies rush in and go at the terminals. You have to defend the terminals basically. And when I first launched that mission, it was just me and I didn't have a gun. All my guns were like out of ammo and I was using a hatchet to like, try to complete this mission. I was like, oh, I'm going to fail this. There's no way I'm going to succeed and get through this. Next thing I know, two dudes just bust in and just with like machine guns and just start mowing people. Like <laughs> the feeling that I got there though, like I've never got that from a Fallout game before. Um, so I think it's, it's different, but different isn't always a bad thing. Like sometimes it can give you a new perspective on things. Um, is there any kind of like a story or is it just a series of incidents? There's, there are, I haven't seen any cutscenes, I guess is the best way like I can There's no like overarching like but yes, there is. story of the West Virginia wasteland or anything? Yeah, I mean there's like a 
they lead you into a plot right from the beginning. Um, mm. Like you have to go to this camp and pick up a bunch of stuff and the camp has been overrun, uh, but there's a lot of important stuff there that you need to pick up and that's where you get like your first gun. So they have like a thinly veiled uh, prose that kind of wraps around the whole thing. There's a lot of lore hidden in the Pip-Boys, uh, lots of um, lore hidden in the files that you find on terminals hidden everywhere. So there definitely is a narrative and a story that you follow along. It's just not as overt where it says, hey, we're going to stop the game right here and show you a cutscene. Um, basically, you have to consume the story bits based upon what I've played so far. You have to consume the story bits in ways that I normally never consume stories. Like, I'm not the guy who reads, like, logs and things like that in most games. Uh, but that's kind of how, at least so far, the story has been told in Fallout 76. But, you know, my expectations were really low after all the negative reports that came out about it. Most of the journal, there were some journalists that liked it, but a lot of them didn't like it. And uh, so my expectations were just, like, rock bottom. And I was pleasantly surprised by this game. Like, I don't think people who like Fallout are going to be disgusted by this game. Um, and I haven't got into the PvP stuff yet, but it sounds like they're being pretty smart with how they're doing that. Uh, aside from just waiting the five levels before anybody can attack you, uh, the way that they nerf the higher level characters, and uh, essentially you have to commit to that duel before it really goes into full-on PvP. I think they're handling that in a smart way. I think there's tons and tons of elements from Fallout that are in this game and handled very well. They're going to be very familiar to people. I think people, I think Fallout fans are going to like it. If they stop listening to the hive mind and the internet hate for it, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy playing this game. Wow. Um, I think what I would just say baseline is don't write it off. Um, Too late. This and, is, yeah, this I think is, you're right. I, I think a lot of people have. Well, like, I mean, for me, I, this is utterly not what I want out of a Fallout game, and I'm not going to buy it. Like, I don't want to. I don't. You this, didn't like Fallout 4 either. No, which doesn't help. Because uh, this is just Fallout 4 mod, basically. It is. It, it, like, it I didn't like is. the gun. I played Fallout 4 in spite of the terrible gunplay and making a whole online game out of that gunplay with a kind of a Destiny vibe to it is not any kind of enticement to me because I played... One of the reasons I kept playing Destiny was because the gunplay is so good. Yeah. It made up for the fact that I was kind of bored with the format. And so now you've got a format that bores me with gunplay that annoys me, and that's just not something I want to pay 60 bucks for. But I would say this about this, too, is that there are other elements of this that Destiny doesn't have that makes me actually like the design of this more than the design of Destiny. Because there, it really is Fallout kind of under the hood. Like, all the stuff you've always done in Fallout games, it's all in there. And that's stuff that you didn't get in Destiny. And I agree with you. Destiny, to me, if, it, if the gunplay weren't so good and Bungie weren't so good at that part of developing games, I never would have played it as long as I did. Mm -hmm. But to me, with this, like the gunplay wasn't as big a deal. It wasn't like a deal breaker to me. Uh, it wasn't terrible, first of all. It's not good or great, but it's not terrible. But it wasn't as big a deal to me because it has so many other elements to it that a game like Destiny does not have. So it's kind of like... Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's blending in... The survival elements and stuff like that, which is another set of things I don't care about. Like, it's just not. It's it, you might as well have made a Fallout mobile game. Like I know they did, but like that was pretty good. But like the, it's just not. It's this is the Diablo Immortal of the Fallout series to me. Um, like it doesn't it doesn't super surpri surprise me that it's not incompetent. You know, like, um, but nothing like watching this just looks. <laughs> it looks no. Well, I told you, it looks terrible. The I just, I just really rather bad. play... Yeah, but even what you're doing just looks so... 
boring. Like, I'd, I'd rather just play New Vegas again with a bunch of mods. Because um, that's, to me, you know, you say, like, you know, same thing you've been doing in Fallout since the beginning. Well, no, because what I've been doing in Fallout from the beginning is playing some pretty interesting storytelling from a three-quarters perspective in Fallout 1 and 2. And the Bethesda era of Fallout has always been sort of like, well, it's better than nothing to me. And Fallout 3 did a pretty good job of that. Fallout 4 did a lesser job of that. And this isn't taking it in a direction that makes me feel any better about it. Um, I'm just going to hunker down and wait for Starfield. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just want to say I'm pleasantly surprised by how much I am enjoying it. And I would am, you pay 60 bucks for it? I think I would. I mean, I've only played like five hours of it. So maybe things get better or worse after you get past that point. But based upon my first five hours with it, yeah, I think I would. Um, and I liked Fallout 4. Keep in mind, like, I liked mm. Fallout 4 way more than you did um, initially. It sounds like you came around a little bit on Fallout 4 when you played it later. Yeah, I just I still burned out around 40 hours, even this, both times. Hey, that's 40 hours. That's a long time. Yeah, but it's not a lot compared to how much I played their, Bethesda's other open world things. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, it, part of the, the second time the problem was that the first time I didn't get to the Nick Valentine stuff. Second playthrough, I did do the Nick Valentine stuff, and after a while, I realized it was never going to get that good again. <laughs> and it was just like, that was, oh. I mean, that was the best part of the game, undoubtedly. Yeah. And when you die, obviously, people can come and revive you, as you're seeing right now. and you can. He just looks so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've, I've been having fun with it. Um, I think there's a couple more sessions, and like I want to jump in and play them. Because I was just kind of getting to the point where I finally got like a good gun, and I wasn't using like this thing that you're seeing right now. Like I said, it's like two sticks and a rubber band. Um, and once I started getting some better guns, it became even more enjoyable. But, um, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Again, maybe I shouldn't have listened to everybody else uh, when they were saying how much they disliked it, because I've actually enjoyed my time with it. So... I would say to Fallout fans out there, all hope is not lost. You might actually like this game. I have enjoyed it and have been having fun with it. Um, so you might as well. Uh, sometimes you just got to shut out the hate. And uh, I wish more people could get in the beta. They should have done an open beta. Yeah, they should have. Instead of like making it this. Like, That's if, the only way I would find out one way or the other. Right. Yeah. And again, they're trying to stress test the servers. Right. And that's why... They're doing the two-hour windows because they want, they want everybody to go in for those two but hours. Like again, honestly, the fact that they aren't doing the open beta, like, like to me, indicates that's a bad indicates sign. a lack of confidence. That's true. And so, and that especially after the, the the little press release where they're like, expect amazing bugs. I'm like, I mean, maybe maybe this thing will be something more for me worth paying more attention to, like in six months or something. Because um, I feel like this is going to have a lot of patching to get to do. I think there's there there's a lot of uh, potential with this too, mm. like raids taking on a gigantic, massive, mutated West Virginia ghost monster. Because they've they've been really diving deep into like this West Virginia lore. Mm. There's all these like urban legends about these monsters and yeah, I saw the Mothman and there's yeah. the, the point what was it the the Flatwoods monster and yeah. All that. yeah, there's a lot of that. So if you do cryptids ahoy, yeah. So if you start doing like raids where everybody bands together and goes after these gigantic creatures, like I think it could be really fun. Um, but pleasantly surprised by Fallout 76. I'll mm. be honest with you, I was uh, my expectations were really low and it definitely exceeded them. So. It would be nice if I could tell you guys to give it a spin before you buy it, but uh, chances are that's not going to happen. But I would also say that if you're counting on this game and end up getting like really crappy reviews, I think you might want to reconsider that. I think the press might be a little more kind of this than you think ultimately when it comes time to review it. 
So well, Red Dead got a ten. This thing right. released a nine point three. <laughs> and there you go. So all right, it's time to move on for our trailer of the week. And I'll say this before we let it run: uh, you guys should get comfortable because this this trailer is like six and a half, seven minutes long. Uh, so it's maybe the longest trailer we've ever run is our trailer of the week. If we have to go to the bathroom, we actually have time to do that, <laughs> which is a rarity. So uh, the trailer of the week this week, as I said earlier on in the show, it's for Overwatch, and uh, it debuts a brand new character named Ash. Jesse McCree, been a while. You promised you'd write. Well, Ash. I've been kind of busy. We're pretty busy ourselves. So it's awful convenient you showing up today. Yeah, you've never been one to shy away from a good tip. Hey, we worked hard for this score. You'd best move on now. <laughs> All I want is that crate. Everything else is yours. This crate? Huh. Bob. Well, well. Now you got my attention. What is it? That's none of your business. I see it. 
Now it's very much our business. <sighs> Doesn't always have to be this way, Ash. Apparently, it does. Bob got himself some upgrades. about that, Bob. No hard feelings. McCree? Hey! <laughs> untie me, McCree! Say hi to the gang to for you. me. Welcome back, partner. Hmm. How long have I been gone? Far too long. What happened? <laughs> well, that's a story for another time. But I got a call. They're getting the band back together. They want me, but really, they need you. Jesse, wait. What are you going to do? <laughs> I've got some business to attend to. 
Say hi to the monkey for me. Monkey? <laughs> Scientist. Whatever. Quit the app and load it in. So there you go. Hopefully you guys are still awake after that eight minute long trailer. Um, we just found out that the stream dropped at some point. This is the second or third week in a row this happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're having problems with our internet for some reason. Um, and I'm still trying to get chat reloaded. What the hell is that? This, it just like popped up like a separate window. No idea. So anyway, hopefully you guys stuck around through the stream dropping and through the long trailer, and you have some questions for us. Although, if it's just loading that chat now, I'm not going to get them. They'll be already through there. So Matt, you're going to have to hook us up. Mm -hmm. <sighs> w. Matthew, as usual, why do you think there's such a disconnect between the press and community on games like Smash and Pokemon? Those games are massive, but it seems like no one in the press cares much. Despite their massive sales, even for games like COD, you still find people in the press who care for it, but not those games. So wait, what were the two examples again? Uh, Smash Brothers and Pokemon. I don't think it's true at all that people in the press don't like those games. Yeah, what are you talking about? Those games always get high review scores. Pokemon Sun and Moon got sky-high review scores. Yeah. I gave it a great review. Press, I know, press people I know played Pokemon all the time. Yeah, like, they constantly yeah like when on flights or like sitting yeah. in the hotel lobby like yeah i think you're just off base there smash is not huge because you people in the press generally can't dedicate time to one game over and over again but i would also argue that the smash is not really as big as you know it's made out to be in some ways i mean the top selling version was brawl with like 13 million copies and like everything else has been less than that it's not you know, it's got a very dedicated vocal fan base, but it's not one of Nintendo's top franchises. It's also a fighting game. And fighting yeah. games, for whatever reason, just... Yeah, it's interesting. You their see heyday it. was in, like, the 90s. It just no, I never... Think, I think they have a new heyday happening. But, like, Smash is a different beast. It's, it's, it comes from a different angle. It's not from the normal fighting game community, uh, which comes out of the arcade. Smash comes out of the home from but Nintendo yet, systems. Smash but, Smash like, is the best-selling fighting game in the world. More than uh, Mortal Kombat? Yep. Mortal Kombat hasn't sold 13 million copies ever. No, isn't it? It'll sell. Mortal Kombat like sold pretty two, damn three well. Million. Um, I think you add everything up. So like Lifetime Mortal yeah, Kombat. Well, yeah, then maybe you get some. <laughs> but like Smash, like Smash also has Smash, the appeal of Smash is not even necessarily as a fighting game for a good chunk of the people who buy it. It's Nintendo Fan service, yeah. Um, but it's not, you know on the level of a Mario Kart or a Mario. It's just not. Well, I think and then you look at, like, you, you look at like Twitter threads and stuff about it where like people are like, oh, why aren't you buying Smash Brothers Ultimate? And like a whole, most of the people who aren't buying it, the answer is because I don't like fighting games. Yeah. And like, there's no answer to that. That's what I was know? about to say is that like, you know, you look at me as an example of someone who's a huge Smash fan. Like if I'm going to play a fighting game, I'm going to play something a little more technical, a little more tactical. Well, I would say there's very few things more technical than Smash Bros. No, I understand but... that. I think once you get into it, it feels mm -hmm. that way. But when you first start playing it, it feels like this just happy-go-lucky, hop-and-bop, like, mm. arena fighter. Um, and you're right. Like, once you get into the minutia of Smash, it's incredibly deep and incredibly intricate. But I think outwardly, it doesn't appear that way. It looks like... It's like if you think back to the very first smash brothers commercial remember it was like all the nintendo furries just like bopping each other on the head with like hammers like 
I think that's the perception a lot of people have of Smash Brothers. Not because of that commercial, because it's just mm. Nintendo characters fighting each other. Um, and I think maybe there's some ne- negative stereotypes built around that. Um, but I think the press is more than fair to particularly Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon always mm. scores high. Um, Smash Brothers. They just don't talk about it forever. Yeah. You know, like the cycle continues and, you know, it's done and it's gone and, you know, they run their features over the few weeks after it comes out and, you know, then they leave it to Cerebi.net, basically. I mean, you know. That's the way it is. I mean, we covered Red Dead Redemption 2 for two weeks. We covered Assassin's Creed for two weeks. Uh, We do our initial impressions, then we do our final impressions. We'll do the same thing probably with Smash Brothers. Um, I don't know. You just can't be. You can't like delve in and dedicate yourself to one game in the press. Like it just doesn't work that way. Like yep. you can't. You know, oh, you some, can, sometimes no you get lucky and you got enough room or enough money that you can have one guy on staff who's just like, "This is our Pokemon guy," or "This is our." Some sites have been doing that Warcraft with like Destiny. guy or whatever. Yeah, like you just play that. Like yeah. your job is to play that forever and, and continue to report on it. It's smart but, to do it though. But that's a luxury. It is, and you have to be a big site to do it. Yeah. And generally, they're the only ones who do do it. Gamespot and IGN. We'll have separate podcasts just for Destiny. Yeah, but you'll see, like IGN, there's people that still play Pokemon Sun and Moon. Oh, absolutely. Pokemon yeah. Go and all that, you know, they can, believe me. Yeah. I, I think that question was a little misguided, maybe. Got another? Um, Majora Tom 91 if Fallout 76 flops or underperforms, which I don't think it will, given the prominence of Vault 76 in Fallout's lore, could that hurt the Fallout series? I think the most most people that make Fallout like the big hit it is now don't even know that that's in part of the lore. Yeah, I don't think Vault seventy six will have anything to do with it. I think if people don't like the game, it'll definitely yeah. hurt the brand. I don't think the Vault number though really has. But it's much looking to like it. we don't have to worry about Fallout five for another ten years. Or it's possible. So. Well, this thing might be alive for another five years. Yeah, it's well, a plus, game as a service. Well, I'm saying in the sense that like their next game is Starfield, right? Which is and then Elder how many Scrolls years out, and then Elder Scrolls and... six. How many years beyond that? So you're, I mean, I think you're looking at eight to ten years until Fallout it's Five. It's possible. It is absolutely. It is Bethesda as well. And by then, I'll we'll, be dead. We'll probably be ready for that. <laughs> I'll be dead. <laughs> um, Congrim One asks: Shadow of the Tomb Raider has apparently only made forty million so far and cost around one hundred and twenty million to produce for their development and marketing. With those dismal sales, do you think it'll be the last we see of Lara Croft for a while? Yes. Yeah, I, I said that actually when I was talking about our final impressions of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Lara for a while. Yeah, it's I'm on sale already, like everywhere, like discounted, like steep. Yeah, it didn't work out too well. Nope. Um, I don't think it's the last we've seen of her forever, but I feel like Crystal Dynamics will be put on the Marvel, the Marvel jobs for a while, and that'll be how it. Rolls. I think everybody will be better for it. To be honest with you, and now I do have some stuff loaded up here. Uh, and Vincent is freaking awesome, so I'm going to answer one of his questions. Do you think Nintendo, uh, just putting something out at equal hardware, would be enough to equalize its market share? We've seen it take a while to transition to the HD era and the internet era. Wouldn't 4K streaming and games as a service take as long and lead to the same problems? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Just putting out equal hardware... Uh, uh, platform of equal hardware power to the competitors won't be enough to equalize its market share um it has to create exclusive experiences to convince people to buy its console versus another console will it help absolutely will it help it having third-party support absolutely uh 
would it increase his chances several fold of being the top platform for once? Absolutely. Couldn't hurt. There's, it, there's no downside to having a Nintendo console that's as powerful as the PlayStation or Xbox. Mm-hmm. None. Um, even price. Like, it's not like they're giving the Switch away. They're, they're making money on that hardware. Maybe that's the problem, is that Nintendo knows it won't be able to make money on hardware if mm-hmm. it's as powerful as the other guys who are willing to either sell hardware at a loss at first or break even on hardware. And Nintendo has not really been willing to do that. Now, the closest they think they've actually gotten is the Wii U. The Wii U, is, as I heard it, was a minor loss where they were breaking even, which is usually they sell their hardware at a profit. Yep. It's always been a Nintendo Right out of the staple. gate, and it stays yeah. that way. Uh, so it always comes down to software. I mean, the reason Switch is doing so well as an underpowered console slash handheld is because of Nintendo software. So you do wonder if they're on equal footing with everybody else with that software, what it could do. Unfortunately, we've never been able to find out. I mean, other than the GameCube, um, we've never been able to know that. What would it be like if Nintendo's hardware was as powerful as everyone else's with that arsenal of first party IP? Um, maybe we'll find out next time, but then what does Nintendo do with its handheld business? It's, Nintendo's never going to be able to make a handheld version of its hardware or hardware that has a handheld component to it and make it as powerful as Xbox and PlayStation. Because the second that you're making sure that 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 hardware is self-contained and can be portable, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball as far as designing the hardware. Um, If you watch Pactor the last couple weeks, he talked about NVIDIA and what NVIDIA spends all its money on is R&D trying to make the tech smaller. Uh, it doesn't need to invest in manufacturing or anything like that. It's all about getting those chips to a smaller size, running cooler, drawing less power. I mean, that's another problem for Nintendo is if you want to keep doing this hybrid thing, you have to create hardware that doesn't suck a lot of juice. Otherwise, you're, the handheld part of it lasts for mm-hmm. like 20 minutes and it's gone. It's another Sega Game Gear. So uh, Nintendo, if it really wants to compete with the other guys, it's going to have to go back to its old model of having a console and a handheld and it's going to need to dedicate the resources and the money to making hardware that is is on, on par or at least has parity with playstation and xbox and until it does that it's going to be fighting an uphill battle particularly with third party mm-hmm. so it is what it is uh i do you think nintendo will go back to that split model though have a handheld and a console in the mobile phone age probably not I don't I mean, think so either. You might see a bigger power leap to the next system than you might expect, uh, given where the Switch is here. I, you know, I would say you're looking at, if they're smart, I think they will go for something that's maybe not on par with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox, whatever, but like something that's powerful enough and architecturally similar enough that you don't have to like figure out another development team to put something on it. Yep. I mean, you're probably still not going to get EA, but <laughs> yep. EA isn't the end-all, be-all it used to be. It's really not. I mean, it doesn't even put out games other than sports games on yeah. a regular basis. Uh, here's one from JReadVix7. With the Diablo mobile game as a backdrop, is this the worst time in history to be a fan of, the, of most entertainment-related things? As little and mostly nothing uh, is about dedicated audiences as much as new and potential audiences in this age of hyper-capitalism. I would say of the, of the things I am most into and have been for most of my life, I have never been happier with them. 
like Transformers better than ever, Star Wars better than ever, video games better than ever, comics better than ever, comic book movies better than ever. Uh, no, I think it's pretty great right now, frankly. I think it, I agree with you. I think everything is way better than it's ever been. Music, everything. Um, television, all of it. It's all better than it's ever been. But I think the angle that he's taking here is that super with having to consume your favorite whatever in this vacuum of fandom that we're dealing with now with the outrage culture mm-hmm. with the entitlement no, i don't think that's what he's talking about at all i think he's saying like that it's bad because um the uh i think he's saying it's bad because uh the people making these mass market entertainment things are in that capitalist mindset of everything has to be growth all the time and bigger all the time and uh, and you know, you always have to be building building the, the audience and like always appealing to new people, and you can never sit there and appeal to the people who already like it. He threw me off with the start, though, with the Diablo mobile game as the backdrop. Yeah, but the Diablo mobile game, what he's saying there is that the Diablo mobile game is an attempt to bring in these masses, these whales that aren't playing the main Diablo series. Oh. Like, be, like the Diablo mobile game is part of that in the sense that, like, Blizzard has to show constant growth. And one of the ways to show constant growth is we've leveraged this IP to now tap into this market, which we weren't before, and now we're making millions off of them, I in addition it. to the 30 million or whatever we'll sell of the units that we'll sell of Diablo 4 to this other audience, which was the audience at the thing we announced it at, and now they're really mad because they're not the same audience as the... It's, uh, it's, it's, I get it now. Yeah. He's, he's saying that these companies are catering to... New fans instead of yeah, their they don't cater fans. to us because but I'd say I don't feel uncatered to yeah I don't either I don't even see where the Diablo thing is not catering to fans it, again it, because they're putting out a mobile Diablo game it has no impact on Diablo Four again I don't understand why that's so hard for people to understand it did not impact Diablo Four at all it did nothing to the game. Whatever they've been working on, they're still working on it. It didn't speed up or slow down their development of it. They're just developing the game. I, I still, I struggle to understand why people are so freaked out about this. But Yeah, I mean, if, the Diablo, if Diablo Mortal didn't exist, nothing would be different. Nothing. About Diablo 4. Nothing. Nope. It would still be in the exact same state it is They still right wouldn't now. have said a damn thing about it this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. You like, just wouldn't have heard anything about Diablo anything. Uh, in, look, Blizzard did I'm not saying mo- a mobile game announcement is better than nothing. Yeah. Because maybe not. Well, obviously like, not. Yeah. Well, not to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, what happened with Diablo Immortal here has nothing to do with Diablo 4. Nothing. Nothing if at no all. No one had ever thought of making a Diablo mobile game. We still would have been sitting there at the end of BlizzCon being, where's Diablo 4? Yeah. And I was going to say, like, it was probably a mistake for Blizzard to, uh, to say, oh, well, we had, like, a trailer for Diablo 4 didn't show up. But then I remembered that Blizzard says that's not even true, so... Yeah, there's a, still a lot of contention yeah. around, around the, the subject. Around what it really happened. So, um, I think if you're a fan, it's better than ever. Here's a, like, qu- here's a look, question. you're getting, like, so many things coming back. Like, um, bands. Like, they're, every band is reforming now. Like, I... I, I Misfits played a live show with the original lineup last year. Think about that. Those guys hated each other for 20 years. And they reformed and played gigs, and now they're going to do a tour. Some of my favorite bands of all time from the 90s have reformed and are better now than ever. The games are better now than ever. We have more games. We have more variety, more to choose from. Uh, Everything. The TV is better than it has ever been. By, like, 
80 magnitudes. Tele this, is, this is the golden age of television right now. If there's one medium that I think maybe hasn't gotten better, it's film, maybe. Eh, depends where you're looking. I but, mean, I mean, overtly, it's very easy for me to say music, television, video games, all just hitting at their peak. If there's one thing I would say that, that isn't in its heyday right now, I would say it's film. But it's not bad. It's just not like, oh, my God. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, Fewer films than there used to be. No, there's more. Is there? I thought that if that you, was the big thing. Is there way less films being made now? Fewer like major mainstream tentpole right. films, but right. if you like, it's about it's about the same number of movies. I mean, it's not like back in the '50s when 300 movies came out a year. Right, right. But like that also depends if you'd call the '50s the heyday of film. Right. Um, I think I think if you know where to look, the quality of film is still there. Maybe it's not on the level of like that 1969 to 77 kind right. of like easy writer. Coppola era, you know, yeah. that's an era of film will probably never be duplicated. Yep, but um, still doing pretty well. I like mean, I said, it's not bad. It's but just, like Jay when Re you're looking at these other Jay entertainment Vic, mediums, he didn't note that um, the uh, he was referring more to Diablo three and not four, uh, got you. which uh, is is a reference to the argument that they switched to this mobile game so they wouldn't have to keep supporting Diablo three. Um, I think support for Diablo three was out the window a long time ago. And I think part of that... I'm surprised people still care about that. It's a little the odd game's to me, been yeah, out but, forever. But also, I think, you know, I, I, it's been noted before that, like, one of the reasons controller support has never come to the PC version of Diablo 3 is because the console versions are built on a completely different system to right. think completely different Makes engine. Makes sense, yeah. So keeping, I think, I don't have any actual evidence of this, but it feels like maybe keeping content parity with those versions and the PC version is a difficult thing. Maybe you have to build it twice or something like that. Possible. And it just became a situation where they're like, you know what, let's just get the, let's just make Diablo 4 and get everything on the same page especially because now they've announced that they're doing that that house engine right where there's going to be one engine that that's everything's good. on that's a good thing um and so, you know blizzard will build a great engine yeah so i think that i think you might just be diablo might just be caught in this sort of period of transition and it doesn't want to kill you right now it's been out for forever expecting more support for that game seems crazy to me well, I mean, Blizzard supports I mean, granted, stuff we for didn't a long get a time. Lot, I mean, they're sitting though. there saying they're going to support Overwatch for 10 years. I mean, and people may be expecting the same thing out of a, of a less online-driven game like Diablo 3 right. and Silly, but, like, um, they didn't put a whole lot of content out for that game. They didn't. That's true. By Blizzard standards. Yeah. I would, I would argue. No, it's true. I don't think you have to argue it. I think it's a fact. Mm. Um but still, the game's been out. Like that ship has sailed. Yeah, I think, is my point. I think it's, it's, like, I think it's definitely if it wasn't I don't before look, BlizzCon. I don't want it was Blizzard spending time on Diablo right. three. Like all the people who are freaking out, I wanted to spend it on Diablo four. I want to see the next game. Like we know what Diablo three is. They ported it out now to pretty much every platform they can port it out to. Yeah, like they still do the latter seasons and stuff. I mean, it's still it's not dead. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's not much else to do with that game right now. Yep. Except buy it on the Switch, I guess. Yeah. And take it on the go. Uh, let's see if we have one more. I don't have any more questions on mine, unless you got one. Uh, I think we got the big ones. Okay. All right. So that's it for Game Face episode 147. Thanks for hanging out with us on the big election night here in the U.S. Uh, a couple things before we go. Uh, our Patreon is in big time trouble, people. Uh, I don't even know why I'm laughing about it. I shouldn't be laughing about it because it's really bad. Uh, our Patreon hit an all-time low uh, when it turned over for November. We are in bad, bad shape. Um, and I don't want to sit here and like beg you guys for money. I'm just telling you how it is. Um, 
we're not in good shape. Uh, so if you really love Sifted and you love Game Face and you love Pactor Factor, I don't know. I don't want to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you the truth. We're in we're in bad shape. And uh, I'm at the point now where I'm losing money again. It was a nice while it lasted for the last 12 months. but <laughs> Sam flashing the Patreon lower third. Yeah, over and like over. A, like a siren. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Our Patreon is doing really bad. And uh, I don't know what to do to stop it. I'm thinking about uh, doing another summit with some of you guys. To sit down and kind of talk about things. I'm thinking about like revamping the whole Patreon. But I don't think that those are the problems to be honest with you um i just don't think that our rewards on our patreon are what's keeping our patreon from growing and doing better uh, i think there's other things at play that are keeping it from being successful so uh, i've been transparent with you guys from the beginning and i'm going to be transparent with you guys till the end and i'm just telling you things aren't good so if you really love Sifted, you love Game Face, you love Pactor Factor, you love the other stuff we do, um, now's the time to show it. So, hate to end on a downer note, but it has been a tough like month and a half, two months for me. Our Patreon has just fallen through the floor. I spent a ton of money on t-shirts that nobody's buying. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes the universe has a way of just telling you things, and maybe that's what's happening now. But Don't um, make shirts. Yeah, yeah. the universe is telling you. Yeah, I guess, among other things. So, again, just being honest and let you guys know what's going on. As always, I appreciate all your support very much. All you guys have done, gone above and beyond to support us, and I, I appreciate it from the very bottom of my heart. But at a certain point, the writing kind of is on the wall. So, um, you know, we'll fight to the end. We'll do whatever we can to try to keep things going. But uh, just being honest with you guys, they're not looking good right now. So... Hopefully the election goes better, depending on who you guys want to win than Sift is doing right now. At least I hope so. We'll find out all those results after we got get off here. Hope you guys have a great week. Game face is up and out.